When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, everybody. Hello, my fellow Westorians. Welcome back to Monday show only review live streams. And well, what a challenge we're all faced with in trying to analyze this episode because so much happened. It's almost the same length as the battle we just had, but more dialogue, more character moments, just battles don't have those as much. They do have character moments, to be clear. And this and, you know, episode three had a lot of character moments, but this was almost as long as empty by like a few minutes with just vastly more dialogue and more character stuff and more plot movement and things like that. I, I just had this thought in my head that, you know, a picture says a thousand words and, uh, and which is clear. If you think about the ratio of how much material has been generated, you know, <laughs> analyzing the show in the books compared yeah, to yeah. how much is there. And, uh, but, but that said, still think about how many, Okay, so when someone's running around in combat, chops someone down with a sword. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, like, that's one word, right? Yeah. But the image of Tyrion facing King's Landing, and sir, that's a lot of words. That's just a to lot talk of about words. that image. You're so. right. And battles, you know, we're, we're supposed to have battles in this show, of course, and the loss that comes from them makes sense. Of course, people are going to die in battles, even though, frankly, a lot of the major Game of Thrones battles in the past actually didn't have major deaths. <laughs> so that's some true. people, it's yeah. funny that we complained that maybe this battle didn't have enough deaths in it, but really... Compared to other ones, you know, they didn't really have much main character death at all. But anyway, that's another point entirely. In a lot of ways, though, this and this episode really reminds us of this concept. When there's a lot of loss, sometimes there's, you know, the way you can look at it. The survivors have it worse in some cases. You know what I mean? Obviously, Masande, use her as an example. She was robbed of a full life. She was robbed of happiness. She was robbed of all the opportunities that you get. From, from having a life, from being born and all that. But it's Grey Worm and Danny and the rest who suffer her loss, the trauma that comes from it and the duty to avenge her that comes from it as well. And that's a whole nother thing. And, uh, and it's exactly. Can we say yeah. desire to avenge her? Desire to but avenge maybe her. Maybe duty, but definite desire. Well, they, yeah, they <laughs> see it as a duty. Whether yeah. it really is or not, I guess is a philosophical question, but they certainly see it that way. And it's, it's also fits into the whole, reminder that this is a tragedy the whole this story is a tragedy it's it's an adventure it's an epic but it's also a tragedy and this plays in line with Cersei's strategy doesn't it we're going to get into this a little more detail later but just as an example here to start us off she believes that Danny won't kill a bunch of innocents and or at least that it will give Danny pause right 
She might be wrong, though, as we'll discuss. You push Danny too far and she loses her temper. Fire comes out and the blood spills as a result. To be fair, not just Danny, anyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyone too far. It's absolutely. But Danny is the person in this great position. Happens to be and have all the power. She's the one with dragons. Yeah. So so it's not a mark against Danny. Throughout this episode, Danny's going to be, of course, a major topic. And just one thing I really want to try to get across is just how difficult it is to to see her perspective on everything. It's really hard, not just because of who her character is and how many things she's been through, but just the setting makes the whole thing more challenging. Anyway, we'll get back to that. I just wanted to introduce yeah, that. Just a, a new thought just popped in my head. It, you need to have – once there are nuclear weapons, yeah. you have to reevaluate – the leaders. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. We could not have Teddy Roosevelt president <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with nuclear weapons existing. Whatever other good things he may have done, you know, you, you definitely have to reevaluate. He was the a whole war, world. He was, was a war hawk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, when the, when the weapons of destruction are bigger, the people in power yeah. have to be held more accountable. And Danny, it, as far as a human being goes, she's no different than a lot of other people in terms of like wants and hopes and fears, but she has dragons in a big army. So when she gets mad, and loses her temper, there's more consequences, right? It's and it, j- same thing for John earlier when he had more power, but he never's had, you know, dragons to go unleash on somebody. Yeah. Now, Danny, to be fair, for the most part, has kept her temper in check. She gets mad and then kind of backs down a lot of times. But this is where we might be seeing that really come to a head because she's never been pushed this hard. She's never had so much loss, so much trauma, and so much isolation. You know who else has come close? Cersei. Yes. And look what Cersei did. Yes. Like maybe Cersei's a more definitive villain in the first place. But Absolutely. Part of comparing, uh, part of this episode, we're going to compare Cersei to Danny quite a lot, compare their loss of children and everything else around them and their isolation. They're not similar characters in their personality and their ethics, but they are similar in a lot of the circumstances and the way the story has played out for them and the things that they've dealt with, right? So it's, you know, I'm not comparing them, but what's happened to them. We're right? going to compare and contrast them. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. And so all this is just a stark, yes, pun intended, obviously, reminder that this is a tragedy, right? Just And this is just one example. Stark reminder, that'd, that'd be a good name for some kind of company. <laughs> memorabilia for, uh, hmm. I wonder if anything's like that. Yeah, there. go to StarkReminders.com and maybe it already exists. Hmm, actually, yes, it does. We've worn their shirts and shown their uh, their stickers and other cool stuff. Good shout out for them. And Kit Harrington beforehand, before this episode aired he said it was shakespearean and you know i'm not a big expert on shakespeare but one thing i associate with shakespeare is tragedy ironic tragedy people undone by their own actions like their own things coming back to haunt them like macbeth is a perfect example of that but in this case and then you can see why that would play out or uh, ring true for a lot of characters here they've they're they're falling back to old habits or they're their trauma and their loss is pushing them back kind of regressing the same motivations that drive them also lead them to tragedy. Yeah. And, but this was, and like I said, Sean, this is just one character. I'm just, yeah, I focus yeah. on Danny. We talk about Cersei, but there's Brienne, there's Jamie, there's John, there's Tyrion, there's Sansa, there's Arya, everybody else. And well, it's such a huge challenge because we have so many characters to talk about. We have less time, you know, because the, the season is short and the episodes are longer. So, well, better not mince, uh, sit here and chat about it. Better get into it. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> right on. Good. Good call. So, of course, a couple of quick announcements that we must do, and then we will move on quickly to the events of the show. We have a new sponsor called Flick, and they're a great sponsor for us because they fit our needs really well. Shay is putting up on the screen here. You can join Flick through our uh, link that's in the show notes on the episode description. 
And it's a cultivated discussion forum where you can ask us questions directly. We start forums uh, and questions, specific questions. This time, I've launched one question so far, and we'll have more added. Right now, it's, will there be an Iron Throne at the end? So log in, join, and answer that question yourself. See what you think. And... You can always ask us direct questions, and Patreon questions get answered most of the time on live streams. Sometimes we answer them uh, on later live streams or directly. But uh, this would be an alternative way for people to raise a lot of good topics with us. And also, they're sponsoring the Intelligent Speech Conference in New York that will that uh, at least I will be at. A shame might be there as well. And that's New York City on the 29th of June, uh, featuring other podcasters like. David Crowther of the History of England and Mike Duncan of the History of Rome. That's pretty exciting. First time he's ever gone to a convention. Also, a quick reminder that our Patreon special episodes go will go up to $5 a month at the end of the season. But if you join Patreon now, you get grandfathered in at the previously lower rate of $1 a month can get you all the bonus episodes. So join now and lock in that low rate. Uh, we also, our book, The Thrones Effect, that Ashea and I wrote, contributed to Chapter 2, is uh, out on paperback. We got our copy just a couple days ago. It's also got chapters by Grey Area and Secrets of the Citadel and Game of Thrones Academy and Ideas of Ice and Fire and Because Geek and Smokescreen. And, well, I'm doing this by memory, so I probably forgot one or two, but it's a great lineup and it's a great way to support a bunch of different shows that you, well, you may not like all of those shows I listed, but I, I imagine that most of you like at least several of us. Or at least us. Yeah, or at least us. If not, then why are you listening to us now? <laughs> so let's, uh, that's it for the announcements. Let's go to the funeral. So nothing like a funeral to remind us that this is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no big surprises here, I suppose. It was uh, very sad. But it raises a question to me or a topic that I think is really interesting that comes up a lot in this episode. And it's how we react to the worst things as human beings and as characters that we're analyzing. Funerals are one of the few times when people are unambiguously sad. It's the time to be sad. But every other time, like when the person who you're having the funeral for dies, if it's in battle, a lot of times the reaction isn't sadness, it's anger. And those are two flip sides of the coin. I think that happens a lot. I wonder about that myself. I mean, think about this. Here's, a, here's an example I came up with I think is a really good way of explaining this conundrum and how often we, we're on the border between angry and sad. And it's just kind of maybe it's just a matter of how we've been conditioned or just our personalities. But let's say a friend shares a piece of bad personal news or a news event from out in the world on Facebook. And you use those, those reactions, the like, love. Sometimes I'm like, Sad or angry? And I don't know which one to pick because I don't know which one is really, you know, which one is more appropriate. And I feel them both. I just pick wow for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one way to avoid that conundrum. (laughs) Wait, Sean, are you Owen Wilson? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, have you ever seen us together at the same time? Mm, No, actually. And this this thing I'm explaining right now really comes out with Danny. It comes out with other characters, too. But Danny, it's really true. She weeps for Jorah. And many of us weep for her or with the other dead or both. And it's really good acting in the scene as well. I, by the way, I think Amelia Clark has gotten a lot better. You know, I used to be kind of critical of her, but I've noticed in this season, I think she's been considerably stronger. And I'm no great judge of acting in the first place. So take that with a grain of salt. But I, I, I think she's been a lot better. I don't necessarily want to disagree. I, I also don't feel like I'm a particularly good job uh, critic of acting. If I were going to disagree, though, it would be that I, I think she was fine before. Like, okay. May I, sure. 
I didn't, I have seen people complain and, and I don't want to engage in it because I don't know enough, but I've never, I've never felt while I was watching like, she's not doing a good job. I've never okay. had that. Right know? on. Okay. Well, that's uh, all that. I mean, the bottom line, that's strong. Like, yeah, if she's never disappointed you, that's good. That's and, good. and sometimes characters who are in positions where they have to mute their emotions might be a little easier to say that they're not good actors and that's what she mm. was in for a long time. Yeah, it's so. the material that they're given and now she's yeah. given material where she's you know, seeing people die that she loves and fighting and yeah. just given a wider range of emotions. Yeah. I think a couple true. episodes ago, I did try to make that point that, that you're like yelling and screaming angrily while it might invigorate a crowd, right? Might, might more be more obvious and clear that acting's happening there. I'm less impressed by that than I am by subtlety. Like mm-hmm. just the slightest yeah. little movement of a lip or an eyebrow. I think those can be more difficult to execute. Does that make yeah. sense? But, and, and getting back to my original point here with this topic is that Danny usually reacts angrily. She doesn't grieve immediately. Her grief comes later. She is a, oh, that's what it is. I fight back. It was in that scene with Tormund where he's just saying, John fights and fights and fights. Danny does too. She's a different kind of fighter. She, hers is more of a, a lot of times more of a perseverance because she's not a warrior. You know what I mean? But she doesn't, she's just like John. She does not give up. And uh, that's something they really have in common. And a lot of times it's fueled by this this passion. This is reminding me of a line that I read in the book. <laughs> Good. Theon <laughs> thought to himself when he's trying to seize Winterfell, better to look, what did he say? Better to look foolish than weak. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know how good or true of a thought that is, but we see it in a lot of characters. Like yeah. certain Danny, they, I think mm-hmm. we see it in Sansa, even characters we want to like, you know. They they um, share that sentiment, even if they don't necessarily yeah. think the world should work that way, they admit it does. Yeah. And yeah, can't, can't deny that. Uh, John's speech here, really good. I was like really impressed. He had so much more gravitas and authority in his speech than I had really remember him having before and if you're looking for deep clues this is like john having some subconscious ambition or duty or feeling that he should have the throne well this is he's very kingly in this moment and i think they were maybe maybe give the show a little credit for for bringing this up because immediately in the next scene we start to get some of that as well people kind of talking to him like a king they're like this that's our man you know so it feeds into the next scene which is danny feeling kind of isolated and uh starting to realize that the North isn't really, isn't fully behind her, or that they're more behind John, and that makes her uneasy. So we'll move on to that. In a second there, do you have any thoughts on John's speech? Nothing particular. I thought that it was, I don't know, a fine resolution of, given the time that it, that we have, right? I think I mentioned last episode, I really want to see, I want to see people coming to tears. I want to see people like, having a discussion. I want to see hmm. Danny and Sunday in a room by themselves, Telling a story about that one time when Jorah, blah, 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 and her breaking down, like, I, I, you know, I, I feel like there's so much opportunity for real drama. They don't have time for it. We got to get to the next action scene. You know? So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's the nature of the beast. But but the, the speech checks that box, I guess, you know. Okay. Well, let's take our first set of questions. Uh, from Thomas Pappas. At the risk of wading into predictions and theory waters between now and the end of the series, is the next great battle we have to look forward to the great dance battle between House Beard and House Wartman at Ice and Firecon 2020? <laughs> That's entirely possible. Related question. Alan Carstairs says a thousand viewers equals one dancer, two thousand viewers equals two dancers? Oh, we did. Oh. <laughs> I think we kind of did agree to that before. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, some dance-related questions, yes. <laughs> of course, Dance of the Dragons or Dance of the Podcasters. Uh, by the way, I've already got a song decided on, uh, <laughs> When I'm Small by Fantagram. That's what, that's what okay. we're looking forward to here. Yeah. <laughs> I would enjoy that as well. <laughs> cool. From Power Scissor, just wondering if everyone thinks Jamie really broke bad again or going to end Cersei. Uh, I'm going to save that question for later in the yeah, episode because like, we have a lot, yeah, we have a lot we'll to say about, about that. that. <laughs> but short answer, I don't think he's intentionally going to end Cersei, but that may be what happens. Uh, Sandy Stark. Did you find it weird that Arya talks about the importance of family and in literally the next scene leaves without saying goodbye? <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. Um, but everyone else was leaving too. I guess she didn't say, I guess she didn't say goodbye to Sansa on screen, but she probably should have. Maybe that just happened off screen, but I don't know. It's, it's a little odd. Yeah, you got to assume a lot of stuff happens off screen. That said, I'm frustrated that we don't see it, but it seems like she should have said bye to Gendry. She should have said bye to John. She said probably other characters that are part of this world that we haven't been introduced to because they're not relevant enough, relevant enough to the big plot, but. I, I'm okay with it. I, I, yeah. I see the irony, but I'm okay with it. I think Arya's, you know, the Arya's deal is not to be around each other. It's to be loyal to each other and to uphold each other, I think. So in a sense, as long as, you know, she doesn't necessarily have to say goodbye to be loyal to her family and to, to fight for them. But I, but that's not an argument against. It's just a, a mitigating factor, perhaps. Think of how many people, like, I uh, do do hypocritical things. I don't know how else to say it. Like how many people like go to church and pray to God and then lie <laughs> or sin in some way, you know, like people don't always live up to what they th present as their standards, you know. Right on. From Ian Relifer, do you think the show will abandon Danny's pregnancy they were foreshadowing last season? Uh, I don't remember it being foreshadowed, to be honest. It didn't seem like they seemed like they were maybe talking about the possibility, but I don't know if it rose to the level of foreshadowing. And I John and Danny have stopped sleeping together, so yeah, I guess it's just not going to happen. Um, but it would have been interesting if they had done that, but also the time compression would have made that difficult, especially. And having Danny and Cersei pregnant also, maybe that's a little weird. <laughs> I don't think it's too much to, I, I'm not sure I expect this, but it's not hard at all. It's literally just, I mean, look how quick we found out Gilly was pregnant. It's just one line of dialogue, one hug, one line, and that's all true. of a sudden, one look in their eyes, and now like, we've got to reevaluate everything, you know? Yeah, okay, that's fair. Couple super chats from Sir Mathia of the House Begonius. We have a couple of questions from you that you sent in that we'll get to a little later that you sent on Patreon. Thanks for that. Abraham Gabeyu, super chat without a question. The dude von dude. Um, I think these are some of these are free super chats from YouTube Premium. So thank you very much for those. That is a thing that we discovered last week. Thanks to Stephen Stark, our hand to the queen. And yeah, if you're using YouTube Premium, aka uh, YouTube Red, it used to be called, apparently you get a free super chat. I don't know how many you get, one per month, one per week, but we appreciate anyone who wants to I send those to us. I believe it's two per month. Two per month? Okay, cool. Right on. Well, that's good. Well, certainly, yeah, I definitely appreciate it if you want to spend them on us. From Dornish Dan, Jamie is Shakespearean. His heart is in conflict with itself. His conscience is active. He's improved, but he can't forgive himself for evil acts. The King's Landing return, redemption, or drug relapse. Yeah, again, we're going to have a lot to say about Jamie and Brienne, so we don't want to, we don't, we'll, we'll keep all that together in one discussion, but this is a very good take, and I agree that the Shakespearean stuff I brought up at the beginning is a lot to do with Jamie. Very much to do so. Like, he can't, he almost can't live with himself, you know, and, um, he, it's, it's not uncommon for, people to feel disgusted with themselves immediately after having sex. <laughs> so there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with that. So uh, um, let's we'll, we'll hold off on that for now. He's, he's also not sure of who himself is. Yeah, you know? it's very, very true. He's torn between two worlds or three, maybe. 
Chris Trombley, do you think Arya will take another face at King's Landing? If so, do you, who do you think it will be? We don't have a lot of time devoted to Arya in this episode because it's so much of it is just prediction based and we try to save the predictions for Saturday. But this is a fair question that doesn't revolve around us using trailers or spoilers. So <laughs> we can make a prediction without advanced information here. So it's, it's safe in that sense. I'm a little dubious of Arya killing Cersei because I feel like that's going to be Jamie. And I don't know that, that Arya will kill both Cersei and the Night King. But, hey, it wouldn't be that big a surprise, you know. But but then again, if not, what is she going to do? Who will she kill? Kyburn, the mountain? That's probably Sandor's job to kill the mountain. So, you know, cause that's the thing is that, you know, uh, the Cersei's side lacks distinct characters, right? There's her, there's Euron, there's Cersei, I mean, <laughs> Cersei twice, <laughs> Cersei, Cersei, other Cersei, <laughs> Euron, Kyburn, the mountain, that's it, right? Yeah, so like they, the captain of the Golden yeah, Harry Strickland's had okay. a line, yeah, you know, like yeah. So maybe Arya could kill Euron. That's another possibility. Well, one of the things is that so one of the people she would have killed before is just not there in the show these days. Obviously, Owen Payne. True that, yeah. Um, that which is just someone we can't help but bring up because he was someone on her list that naturally she would have taken out otherwise. That's true. And good story, by the way. He had a terminal illness, and that's why he left the show. But he had a miraculous recovery he went on on a tour i don't know if he's still alive this was so long ago i think he is though yeah he, he went on a tour because he was a musician he was like i want to go out like my way and he just his cancer he had like this terminal cancer that relapsed so yeah funny to say good story he had terminal cancer <laughs> but yeah good ending as far as those things go and yes because he is still alive oh cool Should I checked excellent that's great news uh, so too bad they didn't bring him back to the show, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, maybe Harry Strickland. I kind of don't think you're on either. Cause it feels like that just like for story arc reasons, like let Danny do that or something. Someone who really, or Grey Worm or someone who really suffered at Euron's hands. I don't know. We, we'll see what they do, but, uh, I, I don't think Ari, let's say, let's put it this way. I don't think Ari is done with fa- faces. I think there's at least one more face in her. Would you agree with that? Probably. I'm, I'm kind of hoping not. Okay. Honestly, I don't really want it to happen. It's that the more mystical and magical things are, the less excited I am by them. <laughs> I feel like it gives them out to get, I feel like it's an excuse for bad writing. They can write okay. themselves into a corner and be like, Oh no, this person's just Arya. She could just come out of nowhere and do <laughs> things. I, I don't like it, but, but I feel like they set it up. I feel like episode three was a lot of showing how Arya's training in a pass is coming into play now hmm. and so why couldn't or wouldn't that happen with the faces also yeah okay also super chats from glabdo 5000 dan horries and a few others who are showing love thank you very much all y'all sylvia sabrex says aria plot with sansa to go kill danny green eyes in this episode instead of cersei lannister and family turns on starks and family to be much stronger well that would be a twist that would be painful for a lot of people if Arya killed Danny. Wow. I I gotta admit, didn't consider that one at all. And if Arya's gonna steal a face to get next to Danny, there's a lot more faces that she could choose. But that would less maybe than involve there were. less than there were. Still, uh, and that would drawers, uh, and that would possibly mean killing that person to take their place, which I don't think she's about to go do that necessarily. But hey, that is possible too. If you pause it at just the right moment, I don't, I don't want to make this joke. <laughs> you see her here, like, run up and grab my Sunday's head and run off. Oh, God. <laughs> I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have gone there. Too soon. Yeah. Too soon. But by the way, reminding her of her death, that is kind of what I had in mind with Cersei. Except they, cause like, they cut away right when the gratuitous moment happens, but then you see 
that she's definitely dead. Of course, behind Tyrion, at one point, you can kind of see the blood on the ground. So there was, yeah. was like, actually. It was gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little By more gruesome way, than it first seemed. Sean, you were talking about too soon jokes. Someone in the chat was like, noticed that you guys didn't have your dragons on your mics in this episode. Oh, and I said, neither does Danny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't put the green dragon back up. We still have the red one. <laughs> I, I, tw- I didn't make it. I don't know who to give credit for it, but there was, you know, an image of uh, of Cersei, you know, drinking a cup of wine. I thought you had three dragons in this image of Danny. Like, I thought he had three children. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the next question from Black Eyed Lily. Did Arya want to leave quietly, especially from Jon? That, that it seems like, yes, I'm not entirely sure why, but... You know, she maybe she's just not big on goodbyes. I don't know. It's tough. Um, she is kind of she a did say, quiet person. I don't need many allies. And uh, while it's we true. understand, Ari, she's proven herself. She divorced, shut up. But there's a difference between her running around checking people off her list than there is ruling a kingdom. Yeah. It's, you do need allies if you want to rule the kingdom. Yeah, Ari has been very kind of unfortunately naive and rather snotty about some of these things. The same thing that happened with Sansa when she's like, well, that's not any way to build a consensus on what it does if you cut their heads off. Like, what? That's not, yeah. that's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and this is, she kind of was, did the same thing here where it wasn't nearly as over the top, but she was like, well, we don't, I don't need many allies. Like, you don't, Arya, you badass, but <laughs> like. <laughs> and to be fair, it is a natural way people behave. I behave this way sometimes when some sort of argument, something contentious is being discussed. A lot of times you come up with a, a clever quip. Yeah. And it helps make your point. But there's an argument against it. Yes. And sometimes the argument against it is difficult and nuanced and complicated. And when you have your clever quip, it's a little unfair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of what's happening to John here. They understand his point. They're not really being fair about it. They're not. They're not. They should understand his point. Yeah. From anime lover Nicole, there was lots of talk about the future and kids. Gilly being pregos, could maybe an Arya next Stark or Brienne next Tarth be pregnant? Hmm. I mean, we definitely can't say they're not pregnant. Man, would that be something for Brienne to get pregnant from Jamie? That would be really eesh. There's some interesting things they could do with that, and they wouldn't be uh they wouldn't be untragic, probably. Arya I don't know, I kinda seem that's unlikely, but you know, like logistically speaking, it's gotta be considered possible, but for story reasons, I kinda doubt it. I feel like Arya's the type of person that she could get rid of her child if she wanted to. Yeah, she, she doesn't want to have a she, kid. She yeah. wouldn't, she, if she didn't want to have a kid, she, I don't think she would have any issues with doing that. Yeah, that's um, true. Brienne maybe, though. Hmm. But I also don't think Arya would have used any contraception type practices. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> so the next section, or the first... By, by the way, a lot of people say the seed is strong. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of, of course. people chime in. <laughs> of course they do. The seed is strong. <laughs> yes, so Arya should be pregnant because the seed is strong. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Of course, the score she's pregnant. <laughs> Okay, so I'm calling this next section sad, happy, sad. And what I mean by that is we're sad for the funeral, happy for the party, and then sad after all that because there's the parting of ways and the devolving back into infighting and politicking and intriguing that happens so quickly afterwards. Is the word sappy actually a mashup of sad and happy? Is that... Whoa. It can't be. I don't know. But man, you blew my mind there. (laughs) Whoa. I can't talk anymore. You're going to have to take over. So no one is both mics. (laughs) (laughs) No one is surprised that Tormund is the life of the party. No one at all. (laughs) Har. Mm -hmm. Nicely crafted scene though, because his cheering was used to advance the plot. That was really clever. I like that a lot. He's cheering for John. Uh, He cheered for Danny too. 
cheer for the dragon queen. Like it wasn't, but then it, but then immediately, and she goes and she, she plays it off like, like a good, you know, host person should be. She's like, and cheers to the champion of Winterfell. And everyone's really goes nuts. Yeah. And then Tormund starts cheering for John and, and you start to realize that Danny's like kind of isolated. She doesn't have, you know, she doesn't have her, she's Missande still alive, but she just lost Jorah. And she's not a northerner. That's the main thing. She's not a northerner. Everyone really, really loves John, and you can't blame them. Like, there's not, there's nothing wrong with them loving John. They've known him longer. He's fought for them longer. Uh, and yeah, Danny did a lot though. But still, they know John better. There's, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, a lot. Uh, two, two quick things I want to say. We'll, we'll see how quick they are. One, <laughs> is, one is that I think the editing of that whole scene, of that whole feast is really good. The flow from character to character. Yeah. I, I really liked the, how they piece that scene together. But also, it's not just that Danny is an northerner or she's an outsider or all these other things. She's not a man. Yeah. Better or worse, that's one thing that's going on here. Yes. And, uh, and, and Tyrion I don't brings even that know. up later. Yeah. yeah. It's not us yeah. saying, oh, she's not a man. It's the s- people in the setting that v- devalue women rulers and that matters in terms of how politics play out. We, of course, to be very clear, do not think she's yeah. lesser. I was, See, I was <laughs> two things here. I just want to point out one is that it's Tormund is one of the people and obviously the wildlings are a little more, have a little more parody there. Yeah. So that's interesting. But two, I, Arya is not at the feast and I would have been very curious to see how much she was lauded. Oh. Um, I mean, they did cheer her, but they she cheered her, but she curious. wasn't there. So like yeah. if she were there, would Tormund or someone else have hyped her up? Mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I, just, so I was just curious about that. <laughs> she also point. isn't a ruler, um, and is a, a, a northerner and all these other things, but I, I made my mind spin. Yeah. I, I was groaning as Tormund was going on and on. Almost everything he said, all these accolades he's trying to give John, was like that also applies to Danny. Everything. Yes. Of, what kind of crazy man gets on a dragon? Dot. I'm like, hold on, Danny got on a dragon. Danny did it first. And like I said at like, the beginning, she keeps fighting and fighting and fighting. That's the yeah. exact same thing yeah. Tormund said about John. It's just that they've witnessed John do it yeah, more than John they've witnessed. Do it more, I guess, they didn't but. see Danny. I and mean, Danny even says. Uh, in Slaver's Bay, they cheered me like this, but not here. They don't know me as well here. Mm-hmm. And they, because yeah. they witnessed all this great thing she did. They witnessed her free the slaves. They witnessed her unite. So they witnessed her rise from Khaleesi to do all these amazing things. But these are stories to the Northerners. They didn't see it. And again, I want to give credit to the, the, the filming, the, the cinematography, the editing, the music, just the construction of this moment, because I was starting to expect, I'll say, yeah. the way this was going for Dana to kind of like, assert herself try to get some credit but then i started to realize like it'll seem so petty how's she gonna do this there's no way she can't she just can't get in here with this yeah. you know and as that's going through my mind there's this shift in tone the 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 the, the focus of the camera the lighting on danny the shift in music and and you kind of realize it and it kind of cuts to her looking at the different groups of people like Jamie, Tyrion, this bond, this family, and their enemies even. Like, how can she ever really trust or expect these? And then, like, John and all them, and it's just... Yeah, I really felt her, it was great. her, her, her isolation. Isolation. Yeah. yeah, whatever. It was great. Yeah, I totally agree. The shift in the, in the tone of the music and her just looking around and really, like you said, those were pictures that said thousands of words because you knew what was going through her head or at least had a general sense of it. And yeah, it was really a powerful. Sort of subtle acting. Yeah. Was, compared to like, ah, yelling. <laughs> uh, not that that's not good acting, I guess. I'm not a super expert, but I was more moved 
by that subtle shift in her face and the back and forth of what she's observing. Yeah. Um, than the more obvious, loud moments of acting, you know. Now, on the other side is how powerful this was for Danny. There was a little bit of comic relief that was super easy to miss. And no, I'm not talking about the Starbucks cup, but that is kind of funny too. <laughs> when you rewatch the episode, assuming you do, pay attention to Sandor Clegane when Danny mentions our Danny calls out Gendry because of course at first that scene is presented like oh what's going on here she's calling out the rebel lord's son here like what's going on and then it's a good thing you're like oh cool but everyone stops eating and looks up except Sandor he's still just shoveling food in his mouth doesn't give a crap what's happening he rolls it's, his eyes a little maybe yeah like it's the extent of his concern. it's hilarious because then they actually cut over to him when when people are cheering and then it's explicit that he's not paying attention <laughs> when when they cheer for Arya he did give it like he's like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Guess yeah I guess you guys can go ahead he's and like yeah I'm, I'm cool with that one yeah <laughs> I'm <laughs> not standing up or anything yeah but. <laughs> even even old cynical Sandor will uh can can be like yeah he'd give a nod for her there <laughs> A couple more notes on on Danny and the Gendry moment specifically. Yeah. Even when it's positive, I've, I've made this point a bunch of times. We talked a lot, especially last season, about how John just like calls everyone. It's, it's, it's I've watched too much Office. Everything everything relates <laughs> to the Office. John calls everyone into the conference room, you know, <laughs> makes some bold announcement, and everyone's like, "What? Wait, hold on!" You know, even if John's right about things, he didn't confer with anyone first. And he just did the same thing there. Like, it probably is a good plan. If she had had everyone meet and say, hey, you guys, I'm think I'm going to make Gendry Lord of the Storm. Like, everyone's like, yeah, good call. But it seems like she should at least mention this plan to <laughs> all of her close. Someone might point out, like, Tyrion just promised the reach to Bronn, right? Yeah. How does Danny, when does he tell this to Danny? Well, how does Danny know that someone didn't already make some promise about the Stormlands? They don't frickin' talk to each other about well, anything. I think until those, they're in public making I these, think it's fair to make those deep. Like, I don't agree with you on this one because this isn't a decision that's anyone else's business. It's her call only. You know, I agree that maybe she's to ask her ally, her, 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 uh, her, her allies about it or her advisors, but for all we know, she already did talk to Varsh. Clearly, didn't talk I to suppose, Tyrion. Yeah, like but this is the kind of stuff that we wouldn't have. Uh, like, it's not important for us to show this off screen. Yeah, right? it is important for us to show it off screen with John and Sansa having this conversation in public because they went so badly in public, and they should have been private first. This, I don't agree that this should have been private first. This is completely the Queen's like. Yeah, I, pet, even if she know, did call. think at this moment and went ahead and did it, I guess it's also but, really important like, to do in is, public. It, I agree. I like. I, I don't think it was a bad decision. I just think this and many other things they should talk about bef- beforehand more. Well, I, 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 I kind of agree, but it's it's still a, a fair point about the show not having time to do all. Yeah, that. you just don't have yeah. enough time for that. Um, they have to cut some things. So this is something that comes up a lot. I think is that we don't pay. We, like, yes, it's easy to add scenes, but for they, one, one time that I think people do this a lot is they say, "Why didn't they, you know, shoot more fire arrows?" Well, like probably each fire arrow was probably like three thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, that. like <laughs> it's not that simple, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Two extra minutes of a battle scene is like crazy expensive. So I think uh, it's easy to see, to make that argument when we're talking about budget, but it's also just time constraints are, are real too. Um, but it's not, that doesn't mean it's wrong to, to wish we had more, <laughs> yeah. which is why we bring up when we think something could be one yeah. line or relatively two and, and easy relatively easy. Tyrion's already right there with Danny and yeah. she, he, you know, before she does it, she like looks over at him and says, should I legitimize, should I legitimize Yendry? But that ruins you know, the whatever. surprise. It's a ruins like, the, the surprise. surprise of the moment yeah. is her being like, oh, yeah. is she going to get mad at him? But then she does yeah. like that just ruins yeah, the surprise. Yeah. That's under- the dramatic effect. Yeah. You know? yeah. I understand a lot of things they do for, yeah. The cinematics of it. It's, yeah, I, I, I actually do. There's no cinematics lot, for the John Santa thing you talked that you complained about. So I agree with you there because there's no cinematic yeah. reason to to like. That's just a discussion they're having about yeah. how to handle things. Well, and also <laughs> they're in private already. They're not making yeah. an announcement to everyone gathered. You that's know? true. 
So, uh, so that was kind of interesting. I like the way they played that out. Um, and there's a lot of, of course, a lot of other characters in the scene. So let's talk about for a second, Sansa and Sandor. This was, um, you know, for some people, this was a touchy moment, you know, and it's always like whenever sexual assault is referenced in a show, you got to be a little careful. And I wasn't sure whether this was handled well or not. I just kind of held my opinion back. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a sexual assault survivor. I'm not an expert. I don't know anything about this. So I just waited. Well, turns out it's very authentic. Not it, it's, it bothers a lot of people, but there's also a lot of people who say this is exactly, I mean, actual survivors who have said this is absolutely 100% accurate. That's how they see it. Because, and if I can try to explain it the way they did, it's more about owning what you are. Yes, this you've been traumatized. They're not. Some people saw that she was thanking them for this trauma. Like, no, she's not thanking them for it. She's just saying this is who she is now. She's like, yes, if I hadn't had these things happen to me, I wouldn't be a little bird. She's thankful for not being a little bird. She's not thankful for being raped. She's not thankful for being brutalized. She's thankful for the strength she got from it. But she could have gotten that strength other ways, you know. But the point being that it's who she is now. Right or wrong, what happened to her? Well, definitely wrong what happened to her. But it... It's who she is now. There's no changing that. And so she's owning it and using it. And a great line from the book that I think applies here is a lady's courtesy is her armor. Well, now her trauma is her armor. She's using it to make herself stronger. It's um, me making the best of a bad situation. I think it's, a, it's very much a sign of strength. And apparently, from what I, like I said, talk to some real people, they're, this is how they see it. I can also imagine different people handle it in different ways, come out of it in different ways. Yeah. Uh, even, even, let's just say theoretically, everyone handles it in the same way and comes to the same conclusion. Do they do it on the same timeline? Do they stay that way forever? Uh, uh, I, I don't, I also have a hard time relating to this, don't know what the right way to present it on screen or to analyze the character. And I can imagine there's more than one way and probably no way is going to make everyone happy. It is kind of tough. I mean, we, we are reminded that Sandor is not a nice person. You know, like Extremely, he yeah. is very curt and I'm going to say mean and considerate about it or whatever. Oh, but, yeah. but guess what? That happens in a real world too. And uh, survivors are going to have to figure out how to deal with that. And this is how yeah. Sansa's chosen. And it's, uh, now to, to criticize some, now it's, I do have some criticism here, which is that it, it maybe didn't come out so much in this scene, but it has come out in a lot of scenes that the lack of female writing and directing is really comes out to play here because that's the thing. Like Sean and I here, we don't, we don't know what this is like. It's a, it's a almost purely female perspective. Certainly there's plenty of men who have been sexually abused, but even, even that said, a lot of times it's a different dynamic for a woman being abused than for a man. Not always, but a lot of times it's very different. So regardless, we don't have the perspective on it. And that's why we just have to listen. And maybe the showrunners got it right by accident this time because they didn't seem to have a lot of woman opinions. Or maybe they asked some people. But still, that's why it's important. Because it's not about having the best writer in the writing room. It's about having the best team of writers. Like, do you want five centers on your basketball team? What good is the, like take the 10 best NFL players of all time. That'd make a bad team. Cause yeah. they'd all be quarterbacks or <laughs> yeah. like two defensive ends or something like that would be a shitty team. So it's the same thing with writing. You need balance. You need diversity because diversity gives you uh, real people's real experiences are brought into play instead of guessing what those real experiences are like and sometimes getting them badly wrong. Not in this case, but sometimes. All right. Off my soapbox. <laughs> Uh, Tormund. Let's talk about Tormund. Uh, actually, not Tormund yet. Let's talk about John leaving Ghost. Let's talk about another sad moment. Very sad. A lot of <laughs> let's not talk about it. <laughs> myself and a lot of pet owners really feeling it. But I think this is a budget thing too. They've had a. Re it's really hard for John to pet Ghost. 
the CGI is difficult. Like the fur is really hard, especially the, with John, Ghost having all these injuries. And gotta admit, John's right. Don't take Ghost South. That's not a place for him. It just it doesn't didn't work out for any of the wolves that tried to go south, literal or figurative. <laughs> it didn't work out very well for any of the Starks either. Well, that's so, what I mean, literal yeah, or figurative. The Starks yeah. or their wolves, yeah, just bad. It just didn't go. <laughs> Lady didn't even make it all the way to King's Landing. Ned died there. Now John's going. So this is this is uh, maybe a happy ending for Ghost as far as happy endings go. He it's never happy to part from one's master, but maybe he'll become Tormund's buddy. And Tormund seems like he'd be a good pet owner and. I don't know. He does deserve to live free in the wild. Uh, patron Growl Tiger asks, can direwolves ever be pets? <sighs> Maybe not. So having him run free in the north might be better. I don't know. I did feel like he should have pet him. He should have like yeah. nestled his face in his mane and held Maybe him it was for a worth moment, the maybe it was worth the budget for them to do I that. I think so. I I think I almost feel like it would have been better I, to just not I, even have ghosts in there than yeah. to do it like this. You know? I like John less after that scene. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people did. I, yeah. I definitively was like, that is messed up. Even if you could say he said goodbye, but like, okay, you said goodbye to your doggo once, like do it again. Yeah, pet your dog. But also yeah. like why like Ah, just leave him in Winterfell. Like he has Sansa. Sansa had a, a, yeah. a, a dire wolf once before, and they don't anymore. Yeah. Arya did too. <laughs> like, why wouldn't Ghost go with Arya or Sansa? I don't know. It's just it's just CGI. I, I could go on. Yeah, yeah I, I also did try to come up with some reasons. I can see like for CGI production reasons why they can't have him going along with John all over the place. But that still doesn't explain why you can't just leave him in Winterfell. That yeah, you know, that's true. Um, <clears throat> and maybe. I had the thought also, like, it, taking him south might be irresponsible or problematic. Like, even in North, even with, with John around, before we started to, like, realize he's not there enough, you know, yeah. it started to be sort of a problem. Ghost would still kind of just run off on his own. He would go hunting or scouting or whatever. Yes. Well, that's a little harder in a bigger population center. Does that make sense? Much harder. And that started mm-hmm. me thinking about that was a problem for Danish dragons, too. They're oh, just yeah. going to randomly kill people's cattle or even kill people. And that's- Ghost might do that. Might just People might just hunt him down because he's hunting there. That might I can be see problems uh, with it. But- part of the question here. Why they ask him to be pets? Because that's part of the problem. Yeah. But Good still point. with all that, seems like he could say Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> and should have got a better goodbye from John. So speaking of Tormund acquiring Ghost, uh, it's a, basically a happy ending for him. Assuming, you know, he there's nothing else for him, which is entirely possible. I think he's going to go comfort Brienne after, <laughs> after Jamie <laughs> left her. But I still don't think they're going to hook up. <laughs> Um, anything to say about uh, Tormund? We'll talk more about it in the predictions episode whether we actually will see him again. I I don't have any particular predictions. Just maybe that's a topic for because it, since it's something. Yeah, that's my later. my thought maybe is just like I wonder if that's the last we're going to see of him, and I wondered the same thing of or maybe if that's not the last we see of him, but the last that he and John will ever see each other. Yeah, and you're wondering. I'm wondering that about several other characters too. So. Yeah. Um. Let's talk real quick about uh, Jamie, Tyrion, and Bronn. We were hoping that they offered him the twins because it was a double castle, but they didn't catch that pun or didn't think it was uh, good enough. A castle. I mean, is the twins really that much? No, it's not. It's just funny. It's funny. It's not really two castles. I mean, it is two castles, but they're small. You know, it's it's Highgarden is vastly better. I mean, Jamie, Bron, Highgarden. Yeah, that's the right call. (laughs) It would have been funny if we had got that right. I I wanted I wanted Tyrion to offer him Harrenhal and for Bron just to look at him like... (laughs) Come on, dude. Like, just punch him in the face again. Try again. Yeah. Now I am going to break your nose. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about this scene. I really don't know what they're doing with it. Um, it's a little weird, but uh, I'm still going to reserve judgment until they see what they do with it. 
but it's it's been tweaked now. The arrangement happened, and then Jamie defected back to Cersei. So there's definitely like a you know some gumming up of the works here. So I guess it's kind of on Tyrion to fulfill this bargain because uh, I don't suppose Jamie can uh, Bron can collect it from Jamie now that he's you know if he's truly abandoned. Cersei, but I guess he could change his mind and come back and shoot Tyrion and try to collect a reward. I don't know, but he said he's done fighting, so I think maybe... But not done killing. Right, right. So I feel like Bronn, just like we said in the beginning, just has all the options here. He can do whatever he wants. Whatever side wins, he can kill or not kill. I feel like he's in a good position. Additionally, I feel like they're basically trying to address his character and have him not be in King's Landing interacting with Lena Headey. I think that's 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 how I'm assessing the the bronze scenario. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I I, I can I can uh, I can agree with that. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if. Oh oh, I guess I should say even not that I wouldn't be surprised. I kind of expect that for there to be sort of this assessment at the end where the chips are falling. Mm. But I'm just kind of making things up just to, to, for my example. But we Sansa's queen of the north. Uh, Yara is queen of the Iron Islands. Gendry is lord of, lord of the storm's <laughs> end. Braun is Lord of the Reach, you know. Yeah. Like, okay, we're gonna we- never gonna happen, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for it. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get killed. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna rename it Braun Garden. You'd see with the shirt I'm wearing, by the way. I just want to clarify. <laughs> team Braun, right here. <laughs> team Jerome. I'm sorry. Uh, team uh, Cooper. Yeah. Or is it Darnell? <laughs> I always forget which is which. Uh, Does it matter? Doesn't you're right? Doesn't <laughs> Jamie and Brian? Let's talk about them. Ja- yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, I missed a question here from Justin Ragsdale. How does the Bronze storyline make any sense unless they are setting him up to come back and save Tyrion or Jamie? Well, that's a good question, but I I, I I hesitate to say there's no other way for it to make sense because we can't possibly have thought of everything. But I am wary of how this plot could be resolved. I don't get a great feeling about it being uh, satisfying, but we'll see. I'm still going to hold with withhold judgment. Someone, there was someone out there. I wish I could remember who it was. It had a, a theory and I think they were applying it more to the night King, but it could still, they were basically observing how many times you have two characters in a, in a confrontational, a violent confrontation. Yeah. And a third character from behind kills one of them. Like Helen Reed killed Arthur Dane from behind when he's fighting Ned. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the girl, the wildling girl killed, Carl from behind when he's fighting John. Like, yeah. there's like 10 examples of there's this a lot happening. Of them. Yes. So I can easily imagine Jamie about to kill Cersei and it's only an arrow through the chest and Bronze oh, with a crossbow, <laughs> something like that. I, I feel like they could easily be setting that up. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Jamie and Bran then. That's uh, a natural segue sort of to Jamie. Um, so it's talk, talk, another example of going from sad to happy back to sad. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so much niceness there. Jamie knights her and then they have their moment of love and. Jamie just reverts to his old habits, and I, it was maybe a little rushed, but I do find it to be authentic. At the beginning of the episode, I pointed out that, you know, self-loathing after sex is not uncommon. I don't know. This is something that I don't know about for women, but for men. Yeah. Is a youth still a, a virgin? A Shea is taking me out of context pretty bad here. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so I, I can't speak for, for whether that's a thing for women or not. It probably is on some level, but I, I don't know. For, but for, for men, that's like a common enough discussed thing for, for like a psychology wise. And 
he so it's in that way it rings authentic and he's doing a lot of these things uh, that people have been saying all along like you some of these things you said you don't you never really felt like he was redeemed you know you felt like he's doing good things now but that doesn't make up for the bad things mm. i'm and not that's, sure and that's, i'll say okay maybe no well, that's fair maybe yeah it's to some people I, I can't figure it out yeah. and you know he's and he's agreeing. He's like, I pushed a kid out a window. Like, and then he says all these things he did to get back to Cersei. Like he's saying they were all to get, he's like, I'm <clears throat> awful. He hates himself, you know? And he's like, so this is, and he's also kind of like an addict. He just can't, he can't quit Cersei. No matter how awful she is, no matter how wrong she is, no matter how much of a betrayal it might be to the people he just fought with. He just, you know, and, but there's also so, a kid. So here, here's <laughs> another take on this, by the way. Sure. I wonder if this scene, I, and I, I feel like as I run through it, I'm like, ah, I'm not sure if it adds up. But I wonder if there's a parallel here with Tyrion and Shay. He's trying to separate himself. He's like, you need to stay away from King's Landing. You're going to die. I know you want to go down there. A lot you of stay us stay here. Yeah, make her hate me for a minute, and I'm going to go down there. Whether he's going down there to save Cersei or to kill Cersei, he just doesn't want Brienne mixed up in it. A lot of us. Thought the same thing, but the interviews with Nikolai Costerwaldo afterward put a serious dent in that theory. Oh, really? He thinks okay. he's going because of the things I just said and not because yeah. he's trying to stop Brienne. However, that doesn't mean he won't kill Cersei because he can still be disgusted with her once he gets there. There's yeah. this, this conundrum with or, Euron and all this other stuff, human shields, all this other stuff. She's going to be doing worse things than she's ever done, even though she's done awful, awful things. He also could still be conflicted. He could still flop again once he gets there. The journey there, imagine what he might be going yeah. through his mind. It's not like he's going to like you know be there tomorrow right yeah. this is a week's of a journey it's going to be an adventure to its own it could have been a whole episode it's know? true it's uh, true another reminder this is all tragedy because there's just like no way this comes out good for him no chance like zero i don't think there's even a 1.1 percent chance that jamie has a happy ending <laughs> it's real hard you know i mean we'll see but phew, feel pretty confident about that one. i'm saying with cersei obviously even if Cersei, like, wins, which is super, super unlikely, uh, she's not going to be happy. <laughs> She'll yeah. just be like, well, I don't have any enemies left to fight for now. She'll be satisfied. Like, Jamie wasn't exactly happy when he got back. He sort of won at at the Twins and then got back after Cersei sort of won by killing all her enemies. And he was not and happy. And Jamie was like, all right, good to be home. And Jamie was like, jeez, I don't he's, know about He all sees this. the smoke from the sept and is like, oh, my God, <laughs> what has happened here? <laughs> so... But he's not the only one heading south with the queen in mind, or with a queen in mind. In fact, lots of people are heading south. And well, we talked about John leaving, and it's time to come back to the get time to come back to that again. I've called this section "Awakening Dragons," and it's very symbolic. He leaves Ghost. He shares his secret. He heads south. It's very much abandoning his Stark heritage and embracing his dragon heritage, even if it's not. Explicit, because he's going about it in a way that's a little bit, maybe not confusing, but a little uncertain. So in a way, he's being awakened as a dragon. But really, Danny, I think, is more literally awakening as a dragon, because and I mean, like, in the sense of Viserys saying, you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? Because her fear and anger is really coming to the surface. And that, no matter who you are, fear and anger can lead you astray. And of course, as we already said... With Danny, it's it can it has the potential to be worse because she has so much power. Uh, but Cersei is the one who needs that lesson now. Like we said earlier, Cersei is trying to goad Danny into mistakes by hurting the one she loves and putting innocence in harm's way, which does seem like a good strategy. But as we see here, if she pushes it too far, Sir Danny might just be like, "I don't care anymore. I'm coming for you." And then, well, that could still make lead her to make a mistake. But 
it's uh it's an interesting uh, back and forth there. It so. is a little harder for her to just like it. Okay, so a a fear, right? A a thought we had was that Danny might just get pissed and just burn King's Landing. Just yes. forget Tyrion's plan, forget ruling afterwards, forget helping the people. Like I'm just mad and I want revenge and I'm killing Cersei. And we we could see that, and we could also see even if we understand or even if that's justified, it might cause people these these bubbling concerns about Danny being leader. It might suddenly be like, oh crap, no way, no. You see what she just did? She could not be. We cannot have her right. But she might not even be able to do that now. There's scorpions all over King's Landing. She can't. She might not just have the option. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to burn it down. I don't care. She might not have that option. So. Yeah, I see a lot of people that were talking about. They're, they're like, oh, they just had to kill Rhaegal off to even things up a bit. I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I would not fly Drogon to King's Landing right now. That Dead Dragon would be dead in seconds. Like, yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think. She, I think she might be underpowered right now. Yeah. I think Cersei might have the upper hand military, especially because she's the one on defense, protecting a fixed position with walls and stuff. That the dragons are no longer so effective. Well, the dragon is no longer so effective. <laughs> There's a lot of complaints you could get into with the details of the action. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. She could have like flown around from behind and burned the ships. The scout ship should have seen that they were there. Vara should have got a bird. Something. But the point is what they need to convey here is that the dragons aren't the the trump card that they used to be yeah does that make sense that's that's the bottom line they, they needed to kill Rhaegal to show us the danger to if they were big older the scorpions might not even be effective Maybe. against them yeah. i mean that, from book canon they probably wouldn't be but these are young dragons and their scales aren't that hard yet there's some evidence in the books that you need to hit them in the eye or something like that but that wouldn't be true for the younger ones there's also a big parallel i want to point out here to when John was confronting Ramsey, mm-hmm. and Ramsey sends Rickon out there to kind of go to men, this is Cersei's doing the same thing yeah. on a Sunday. Like, this one wasn't a trap, but it was a it was a goading. Yeah, and I wouldn't different. say that I. So far, we'll see what happens. Yeah. we'll see. Like the 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 opening moment of the next episode might be Danny getting on her dragon and, and like, diving into Burnham. But I feel like, and I'm going to get into a little bit more of a tangent here. But I feel like Danny is actually showing an amazing amount of constraint. Especially when you think about everything she's gone through, right? So when she's so already kind of feeling isolated in uh, among her people, whatever yeah. that might mean, right? She is already away from what has been her home and her people in this new continent, new weather. She has her children are dying left and right. Her authority is being challenged by people who might could have should have been her closest allies, John and Sansa, right? She's or in a way like her world is just like falling around, falling apart all around her. And now, like, her probably closest friend in the world was just beheaded in front of her. Like, what do we expect from her? Like, what do you, who thinks that they're not going to get mad and want to just burn in, even Seriously. if it's suicidal? Even if she, even if she, there's this moment, this look on Euron's face where he's like, she's just going to keep coming. Like, I think even if I shoot and hit that dragon, he's still going to burn me to death. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he was impressed. Fire. He was a little yeah, impressed. Like, yeah, he's like, whoa. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> suicidal for her to charge into that, but she might just not care. It was suicidal for John to charge in toward Ramsey. It was yeah, totally suicidal. Emotional. Yeah, it was very Did emotional. it anyway, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, emotional. That's the thing. Like, uh, a lot of this is people are, people ask some of these questions. Why, why, why this, why that? Well, it's because she was emotional because she didn't know. Uh, for example, like, why didn't she fly around and attack the ships from behind? Because she didn't think of that. So, and because that would be a lot more budget, frankly. <laughs> yeah. That would be a lot more budget. I mean, that's, it's just that simple. Also, that's, if, if we look at it, we could probably just prove me wrong, but they could have just done it differently, but they could just have like four ships on a backside face the other direction. Yeah. They could cover their rear with yeah. those same scorpions. Absolutely. You know? And I don't have a problem with her not seeing them. I do maybe have a, I do have a problem with them, with the way that they've explained it behind the episode, which is, 
that they forgot about the Iron yeah. Throne, which is just lame. Like, that's yeah. not a good, like, I, uh, I'm I, as, as often as I defend things because I can think of a reason why it makes sense. This is, that's just lame. Yeah. They didn't forget. That's, <laughs> that's, come <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Euron's like the, one of the main enemies and he, everybody, his fleet was at King's Landing, which is really close to Dragonstone. Like, they even just on. had a war meeting where they accounted for it on the board, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's just silly. Uh, so that, I have a real problem with that. And I, I don't have a huge problem with the surprise of it. Because, yeah, sure, the logistics of them hitting Rhaegal from that far away are a little silly, but I don't really care. Because I don't agree that them not being seen was unrealistic. They were on the other side of the island. The dragons would not be able to see them unless they went absurdly high, and there's not much reason to do that. Because they forgot about the Iron Fleet. That's the part that doesn't make sense. If they had not forgotten about the Iron Fleet, they would scout or look ahead or check, and then none of this would have happened. But... So that's the part they cheated on, is the fact that this they, was... They didn't scout ahead, right. Yeah, but the fact that they were surprised <laughs> makes sense, given that they didn't scout ahead. <laughs> and the fact that they were surprised can explain the dragon shots. Like, it shouldn't have been that accurate, but if you're firing that many shots at a dragon, a couple of them hitting, makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. not unreasonable. Uh, but, and of course, another question is, why, why did she charge? Well, yeah, like you said, she got really mad. She's and mad. then she realized that, oh, wait, I can't do that. And yeah. she backed down and turned around. So... Yeah, she was mad and wanted to kill her enemies who just killed her child. Like, and then she's like, wait, that's a bad idea. So, and this, this is good. Uh, this is a little bit off where I wanted to go, but we can rearrange things a little bit. So let's talk a little bit more about her state of mind and, and where she's at. Uh, you know, Tyrion says, or Ervar says, I'm concerned about her state of mind. And Tyrion's like, we're her advisors. We're supposed to worry about her state of mind. And he's right that her state of mind is, is, is off kilter because so much just terribly things have happened to her. And this is where, it's super hard to understand Danny's perspective. Like, super, super hard. Sure, Varys is scared because he worked under Aerys and Robert, and the lazy king who slept around constantly and was a drunken embarrassment is awful, but he wasn't as awful as the Mad King. Now, because uh, one thing Robert never did, or you could say did, was start wars. He didn't start wars. He did, he ruled so badly that wars were inevitable later, probably, which is almost as bad. But Varys did want to remove him, but there was no one to replace him with. There was no other claimant. There wasn't like, if we kill Robert, then we can install uh, Stannis, baby Joffrey or Stannis. Yeah, it just wasn't like, that's not good. With Aerys, though, it's more complicated because that was Rhaegar. They could, there's an argument that Varys should have you know, done, helped the people who were trying to remove Aerys because it doesn't necessarily work with what he's doing now. It doesn't necessarily add up. But... That was 40 years ago. Varys could be a different person now. I don't have a big problem with that. Yes, it's inconsistent, but it's not unrealistically inconsistent because people change. More on that in Book to Show, because talking about Rhaegar and all this other stuff is in, in Ares and Varys. There's more detail there that we don't, that isn't part of the show that we don't need to get into. My, my issue with Varys is maybe a couple parts to it. Is it, I, I was disappointed because I thought that moment that we talked about earlier where Danny's kind of like realizing her situation and frustrated by it. And walks up. We see Varus see this. And in my mind, what I expected there was Varus was going to go console her. Maybe on her behalf, go talk to, hey, John, you need to be careful. Think about how Danny feels right now. I thought he was going to like put these fires out, but instead he's like, we got to take out Danny. You know what I mean? He like Tyrion, who it seems like Varus should trust, well, is telling him like, no, look, I believe in her. Varus is like, I don't care what you have to say. To about be this. fair, yeah. he didn't say that until she made the, comment about those tens of thousands of people don't matter like or they're it's, it's fine for them to be collateral yeah. damage he didn't actually turn on her until that and that's consistent with how he's been he has always been in the show about the small folk and, I, and so, and so i was disappointed by that right i was but disappointed I still by that think I, just, that 
I, it, he, they even talked about the idea of, you know, having Mary and Varus like discounts that because, you know, she won't want to share. They, they won't compliment. She's too strong for John, stuff like that. All right. Let's just say that's true. Wait for whatever coup you might be planning till after. Let's beat Cersei first. And then if down the road there's conflict between Danny and John, then deal. Like if you want. Well, I don't think he said he otherwise. He's imply he's going to kill. It seems like he wants to do it right away. No, Which no, even no, no, makes no, no, sense because no. he wants to do it no. before she goes and burns all the innocent no, people no, no, in King's no, no, Landing. No. I don't think so. I really don't think so. Because there's just no way. That, I mean, there's no way that, that that's going to work out better for Cer- if Cersei, if they leave those people to Cersei. Mm. Like how, like is Varus real? I mean, I guess you could be right. I just don't see Varus like saying, okay, well, Cersei's a better choice. Like, like Cersei's not going to burn him I all think up with dragons. Varys... might burn him up with wildfire, I guess. But, yeah, I but mean. Varus doesn't necessarily know or expect that, but he's worried about what those dragons are going to do imminently. I, I, I sense that he's going to do something soon. Well, and there's it, only two I, episodes left, so yeah, it has to be soon. Right. And also, we were told by Melisandre he's going to die, so I, I kind of expect he's going to get caught trying to do something subversive. That's okay. where I think okay. this that is makes sense. And to be fair, to, also to be fair to some of these, some of these points you're making, or not to be fair to them, just to maybe back them up a little more. Danny's, you know, if she loses her temper, gets upset. That's nothing like being insane, like Aries. It's not even, it's not yeah. even in the same ballpark. It's not even close. And well, if we talk, take about that line where she thinks she's some person of destiny who's supposed to remove all these tyrants. That does sound a little insane, but is it in this world? No, yeah. it is <laughs> not. She literally worked miracles. She literally didn't burn. She literally birthed dragons from stone and that was a prophecy that she fulfilled and she's had red priest telling her that she fulfilled this ancient prophecy that's real and it's not something we can grasp from the real world and and understand how it affects how it would affect us if it was real here she's been a witness to other magical things too in the house of dying and like it seems clear now it's a public knowledge john was killed and came back to life so the idea of someone and I, I've used this same defense for Stannis and Melisandre before, too. Like, if you believe with good reason, if yeah. not not you randomly because you're crazy, but if the people of Earth believed <laughs> in magic or God or whatever yeah, because yeah. we saw it in a definitive, provable way, you might have you might think twice if God told you to sacrifice your son. If yeah. you knew God was real, if you knew it was real, you might. Some people maybe they wouldn't, but it's not it's not preposterous to to, to think that Danny has a legitimate idea of her destiny. Yeah. She's just some crazy woman. But even if that, even if you take away all these mystical elements that really exist in this world that might believe her, make make her believe just like Stannis, that he has to do whatever he has to do, even if you remove that element, there's still the other factor of the the grief that she's gone through, the isolation Mm -hmm. that she's feeling. Yes, yes. That she's a young person in the first place that, I, I think it's, like, who out there thinks they know exactly what Danny should be doing? Like, and you know what I mean? Like who out there has no gone idea. through this scenario? And, 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 and let's say we did. Let's say that the collective minds of everyone with time and insight and experience and education could figure out her plan. Let's say she did that exact plan. Wouldn't that be a little unrealistic? You yeah. Know? And also, <laughs> frankly, some of the alternate suggestions in the show have not been really good suggestions. Varus suggests a siege and then getting the people to turn on Cersei. How does that not result in lots of innocent lives dying also? How does that not result in starvation? Like, that's not... I mean, some people would rather die quickly yeah. in a battle Even than that. The, the, right, the people might turn on Cersei, right? Yeah. And and all they have to do is wait outside for the people to turn on Cersei. Well, what it means for the people to turn on Cersei is thousands and thousands of innocent people. Yes. Yeah, you're going to yeah, have, so like, common way. peasants with no weapons going and get armed knights with huge swords. And they're only doing it because they're desperate and starving. Like, is that yeah. really... Like, how is that better? You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so you're right. Like, there's no... 
there isn't a good answer here. There is no, there is no sieging wouldn't work. Sansa says they should rest the troops more, but Danny says, well, while we do that, you know, meanwhile, they're getting stronger. And she's right. They have gotten stronger. Look at all those damn scorpions around the <laughs> yeah. King's Landing. And I don't, and I don't have a problem with that. Some people are, were wondered why they couldn't dig that ditch bigger. I had an answer for that. It was they didn't have the manpower to do it. The soldiers got there. Takes a lot of time. Late. Takes, Takes a lot, lot of time. resources. It's dirt. It's, it's frozen dirt, maybe. Second of all, they don't have the manpower Cersei has. Cersei has the entire population of King's Landing conscript, <laughs> which they did during the Battle of the Blackwater to make the ch- you know to make to make wildfire. Well, in the sh- into the books, they made they made the chain. They conscripted a lot of people to do a lot of stuff that, that that's not possible in the North. The population just doesn't exist. There's more people in King's Landing than there probably is in the entire North. And before it was wiped out, <laughs> I think that they said that at one point. I think, I think you're right. Like just the King's Landing itself, like a million has people. more population than all of the North. Yeah, but they have more than King's Landing. They have all the lands yeah. around. Yeah, you know? so like so, I and a lot of the population, a lot of the forces of the North just got killed. Yeah, so, so I find that I find that very credible. And in fact, I would find other things credible that were logistic, like manpower based, because I do believe that Cersei has a lot of manpower. Not not as many, not you know, not a ton of soldiers, but you know, a substantial amount. But the 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 Common folk manpower is pretty significant here. So let's let's uh, regroup here and uh, do a quick mid roll and take some more questions. And then we've got a lot more to say. We still have Euron. We still have the scenes with Euron and Cersei. We still have a lot more about John. I want to I want to get one quick thing in. Sure. From from the pre because I don't think it'll come up another time. From the the, the last week on little moment that we got. Yeah. We went through sort of a scroll of the deaths from the prior episode yeah. without getting Melisandre. Like they just thought oh, I was upset by that, man. I feel like she didn't get her due. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny because they didn't seem to know what happened to her. Only like Davos seemed to know. Like one yeah. person was like, he's like, Tyrion. Remember he talks to Tyrion. He's like, he's like, I never got a chance. He's like, did you? Did you? He's like, I wanted to kill her. He's like, did you? He's like, never got the chance. She did it to herself. Or her god did. And yeah. then they had that conversation about Lord of Light does his thing and then just leaves and doesn't tell us what he wants. And they're like, damn it. <laughs> you know? I, I put, when that scene happened, it's, I thought we were going to go down a line with Davos. Oh. Right? I thought we were going to get some storyline of him trying to figure out what really happened to the Lord of Light or the Night King. Uh, nothing. <laughs> I felt the same way as him about the Lord of Light as I felt about that scene in the show. You know, like. <laughs> okay. So real quick mid roll here. Um, I want to say, Shout out to our sponsor, Shire Post Mint. Go to shirepostmint.com and use the code HISTORY for 15% off. And yeah, we were, we've got a lot of cool coins from them. They got coins from Bravos, coins from history within the, uh, Westeros, like old Iron uh, Bank. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Iron Island coins. They have their new pre-conquest series of yeah, coins. Yeah. Pre-conquest and lots of other cool stuff. They also have some deaths coins like Eddard and, and Walder Frey and Joffrey. And they have, Coins from other fandoms, Conan, uh, Stormlight Archive, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Wheel of Time, just really good stuff. Of course, and of course, the the Lord of the Rings, hence the name Shire Post Mint. That's what they started with. <laughs> and also uh, some shout outs to our Queens of Love and Beauty and our Blood Riders. Forsaki, wielder of a Valyrian Seal Arak with a Dragonbone Hilt. Kohal Koei, called Sunpiercer, wielder of a Dragonbone Bow. Kokava the Tamer, wielder of the Wildfire Whip Gehenna. And aforementioned Queens of Love and Beauty, Aaron, Lady of the Long Desert, names Emma of Starfall, the Queen of Love and Beauty, in sight of pods and men. And from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Carrie, Fire of the North, who recovered Dark Sister from beyond the wall. 
Well, both Flea Bottom and Pods are uh, quite relevant here. Flea Bottom is in great peril with the uh, Danny's army sitting outside. And, of course, Podrick, who knows what will happen for him the rest of the way, but he at least had a nice moment with a girl there at the uh, at the festival or the, the feast. <laughs> festival. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's get into the second set of questions from patron Ahmed Abdi. Are they portraying the beginnings of Mad Queen Daenerys and is Tyrion really scared of her? I do think Tyrion is really scared of her. And I thought it was interesting how his defense of her being a little scary was a little muted when Varys is like, she's, you know, all this fear stuff. And he's like, all good rulers should should, you know, inspire a little bit of fear. But he didn't say it with much conviction. Very notably, like, was kind of. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like he was losing the argument, but wanted to say something. But I do not think they're portraying the beginnings of Mad Queen Danny. I do not think she's going insane. I think that people, some people out in the story will see her that way and will, and Varus is clearly worried that she's going that way. But I don't think she's actually going to go insane because that's, I mean, insanity is, you don't usually go insane from, well, you can go insane from just repeated trauma, but I don't think this is the kind of trauma that would make her go insane. And uh, I don't think that she's going to ever be anything like Ares. But I do think we're supposed to see shades of that as a reason for characters to have concern. In in the past, you know, going back to season one, even, I remember thinking, you know, trying to, especially because the, the story in general is, is has lots of gray area characters that we think of as being good guys or protagonists. Sometimes they do some shitty things. And some of the characters that start off being villains are like, Oh, actually I understand them now. You know, there's a lot of that. And, and I went in kind of knowing that about the series. And so I was looking for it in the first place. And I wondered sometimes about Danny, how she's kind of has this naive desire to be on the throne. She doesn't even know what that means. She tells her husband. And so he goes to war and rapes and pillages to raise an army for yeah. her. And she didn't realize she's what like, that was ah. going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, it, but I, I never, it never seemed like what they were doing is turning her into a villain. You know, yeah. that never seemed like she was going to be, she seems to be a protagonist, if not a good guy. Right. Yeah. Um, even if like many characters who are protagonists, if not good guys also do some, some make mistakes or do bad things or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do feel here this, these last couple episodes are, pushing her towards, and I use the word villainous and realize I was using a bad word, more antagonistic. She might be okay. becoming more antagonistic. Like mm. we might feel like we want John to win, not Danny. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what they're doing or if it's correct for me to interpret it that way, but I see that we, two episodes from now, we might look back and be like, oh, that's definitely what they were doing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to be fair too, I think there's something to be said about that uh, meta about just what power does to people. This, you know, being in, having all this power is corrupting, even for someone like Danny, even for someone like John, you know, because there is some evidence maybe that John is, 
subconsciously does want the throne. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. We kind of skipped past it earlier when we got off into a, not a tangent, but diverted to another major topic that we maybe got to a little sooner than we intended. But hey, that happens. Yeah, I do still have more thoughts on John and Danny and yeah, we'll uh, getting, or Sansa and all that. Yeah. We'll definitely get back to that. Um, here's a question from Sir Way, of course. Um, a couple of your questions we're going to save for the predictions episode. They're a little more uh, rooted towards that. But one of them here is that I think is particularly on point here is, uh, whoops, I lost it. Here it is. During the funeral, did you catch John looking at Lyanna Mormont, but thinking about Lyanna Stark? Uh, I didn't think of that, but that's a very interesting idea. You know, they were lined up, each kind of torchbearer was lined up with someone that was the most significant to them. And for some of them, it was, eh, you know, Arya lighting Beric, because that made sense. She saved him, but they didn't exactly have a lot of closeness before that. You know, Sansa for Theon, it was, that was a beautiful moment. She puts the wolf pin on him, and, and uh, you know, her reaction was really authentic. John with Lyanna Mormont's a little, you know, she's a northerner, he's a northerner, but they didn't have a strong, like, personal connection. So, but the name recognition, that is interesting. I wonder if, thinking about Lyanna Mormont, she thought about her his own mother who would have only been a few years older than Lyanna Mormont when she birthed John. So that's actually a great catch. I didn't think about that even a little. Yeah. Right it's, on. Uh, uh, it's one of the things that I, after watching it the 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 fourth time, my fourth, by the way, go through this episode, <laughs> I, I watching a funeral episode or episode funeral segment. I actually started to fast forward. I'm like, all right, I got this. Let me get to And I started to think, you know, there's probably a lot more to this, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. should look at this even more rather than <laughs> skipping through it. <laughs> From Sir Matthew of the House Begonias, was there anything that ripped you guys out of the scene? For me, it was them burning the bodies with the armor still on that made zero sense to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know how authentic that is. I don't know if that's normal or not. It might be, but I, I mean. I, I don't think it is, but they, they just, they're keeping characters in costume. They weren't all standard attention and full armor on boats either. But yeah. they're just presenting us these images. So it's kind know? of to remind us, like, because, you know, it's the same reason they don't have people wear helmets is so that we know who they yeah, are. exactly. You want them to still have their same outfits so we, you know, for the for the lesser attentive viewer should know. But there, if I had seen the Starbucks cup, that would have pulled me out of scene for sure. <laughs> but I just didn't see it. <laughs> I only found out I about it. Four viewings. I didn't notice it. So. Yeah. It's in the feast scene sitting next to Danny uh, around. I think it's just before Gendry stands up, but I'm not sure. Exactly. Someone else will tell us more specifically. Also from Sir Matthew, I can't super chat right you, now. By the way, just Google. It's literally a front page article on CNN. Like, yeah, <laughs> I know. They made a big deal out of it. But uh, he, he says, I want everyone to listen to Terrapin Station by the Grateful Dead with Daenerys in mind. OK, well, I will do that, too. Terrapin Station, by the way, Terrapin is a name for Turtle and George R. R. Martin, big fan of Turtles. So a couple of a uh, couple and, of references there. And we talked about it a little bit in our How the Game Ends stream um, or the, the, the stream we did on 420. Where we talked true. a bit about some some songs that are yeah. referenced. So. He suggested that we do a Grateful Dead episode on just because there's so many references to it. Um, that would be maybe something to consider for later down the line. We certainly don't have time for much else right now besides covering the show, but I definitely like that thought. Question from Radiance Bucknor. That is a cool name. Radiance Bucknor. Did you think it was a bad idea to revive the Baratheon name? Gendry may be loyal, but what about his descendants? No, I don't think it was a bad idea to revive the Baratheon name. You gotta have... You got to have a Lord of Storms end, and it, it tends to work really well when people get to stay with something they're useful. The common, the, the small folk, they like that continuity. Another Baratheon is like, same thing. like, there's always a Stark in Winterfell. There might be something mystical behind there's always a Stark in Winterfell, but it's also true from a political sense that people have long enjoyed the Stark's reign because they've done a good job. You could also apply that statement to 
X may be loyal now, but what about their descendants? That yeah. doesn't matter if it's Gendry or Baratheon or anything. Well, it's I think the, an issue. the point is that if it was a different name, they wouldn't have the prestige and less ability to challenge the Targaryen name because the Baratheons were kings. And whereas some new name, if it was just, you're just Gendry of house, you know, you're house Fleabottom, you know, because that's where you're born. Like that would be, that would not have the same power behind it. Reminds me of some of the talk about the High Towers in that panel oh, at yeah. Ice and Firecon. <laughs> that's right. High Towers. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question from Growl Tiger. Do the fan prognosticated pregnancies align with these final episodes representing a dream of spring, i.e. a time of rebirth and regeneration? You know, that's an interesting point, too. If, if we're going to get some sort of, like, happy ending type, well, we know it's not going to be happy, but well, there'll be parts of it that'll be happy. Bittersweet means there should be some good things. Um, well, it doesn't have to mean that, but I suspect, given so many characters and plot lines, there'll be some, un, you know, unabashedly positive things. And pregnancies... Yeah, I mean, some pregnancies would be just great. Some of them would be bittersweet, though. Like if Brienne was pregnant with Jamie's kid, that's not on it. That's not ambiguously good. <laughs> that's like, oh, well, how does she feel about that? How does that, you know, I don't know. She might be like cool with it because she gets to have a kid and that's great. But she, you know, she doesn't need necessarily have to have Jamie around, but it's hard to say. Um, Someone did quick note have yeah. a zoom in shot of one of Sansa's outfits. It had these leaf patterns on it. Ooh, a Dream of Spring. They said. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. Yeah, they do. There's a lot of hidden detail in those costumes. They do really good on that. Another one from Sir Matthew of House Begonias. Shay, I don't want to put any more work on you, but we do need the list of where to buy all the shirts you three wear every live stream. <laughs> so the, I, I put this in here so I could address this myself real quickly. Cool. Um, that is is a thing I would like to do. It requires me to have all of Aziz, mine, and Sean's shirts clean and washed so that I can see them. And then it requires me to find where they all actually came from, which I can do for the most part. But it's it's a little bit bigger of a of a of a task than you might envision because we have a lot of shirts. So that's anyways. I, that's just me saying. I will get to it. But if you really need to know a specific shirt, just ask me and I can always tell you a specific shirt. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like one site where we get all Yeah. It's a big collection. I can throw out a couple that I use often. But no, I, they, before, this is the thing. They specifically want me to list like every shirt we have worn. Oh, where a link, that shirt where came that, from. Like, oh. A link to that shop. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big thing. Yeah, it would be Some of them are just not going to be available anymore too. Definitely. Yes. Some of them are out of print for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, next question from Sean Raman. Do you guys, do you think Night King knew of the prophecy and expected John to fulfill it? Meaning, keeping in mind at his ease that John was kept busy while not taking Arya seriously. In other words, he ignored Arya and everyone else because he thought John was the one that could, was the only, only one who could kill him and thus ignored him. I don't think so because if John was the one he expected to fill it, he would have killed him. He wouldn't have just been like, ah, I'll send my whites out of it and make sure. I think he, he would have taken chances. him more seriously. Yeah, John, as has been pointed out several times, John's been beyond the wall several times and they never made a point of targeting him. Like in the same scene where they're kind of trapped in the middle of the ice with the zombies all around. Yeah. But when the battle starts the next day, the Night King throws a javelin at the dragon. So the dragon is moving in the air and far away. Yeah. And bam, one shot, one kill, right? Where the Night King, John was just sitting still on that island all night long. You just got to, just javelin after javelin, <laughs> just lobbing it after he could have killed, I feel like easily could have killed John there and didn't for whatever reason. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I think that's a, a fair answer. Uh, super chat from David O'Flaherty. Thank you for that. No, no question though. A couple of questions about the battle. From Terrell Reed, how did she not see those ships 3,000 feet up in the air? I could understand if there was fog. Well, again, I'll repeat. The ships were behind the island, and the island is, has a big mountain on it. So I don't think that's unrealistic at all. Um, they, she wouldn't be able to see it, especially because she wasn't looking, which that part's 
maybe unrealistic, but the logistics of not seeing them, I don't really, I do not have a problem with that. I do have a problem with them shooting them, being them shooting her without them being seen. That part is silly. Yeah. There, it still could be, for better or worse, I can chalk it up to cinematics, you know, they, like, for example, the ships maybe could have, should have had their masts down. That would have made them less obvious, right? But um, it's a cooler image to see all the ships with their masts up. So you could go on and on. I, I, I did go on and on nitpicking how the the logistical problems of this. But I realized in the end, you you, just, you need to tell this story, and you have a limited budget and limited time. And the point is, they were ambushed. They're ambushed mm. and killed a dragon. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Got it. And maybe they could have theoretically executed this better on screen, but. I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, Southie Bear, related question, why did Danny charge at Euron for no reason? I think we kind of covered this already. It wasn't no reason. She was really, really, uh, uh, you know, traumatized. There was one of her kids that was just killed, and she. this is how, this is consistent with how she reacts. She doesn't run scared. She, when something attacks her, she attacks back, and then she realized it was suicidal and peeled off. But her initial reaction was emotional, and I don't have a problem with that. It just... It's consistent with how she's been. She might have not just realized it was suicidal because she might have known that in the first place. She might have realized it's irresponsible for me to be suicidal here. Other people might die if I die here. Okay. The cause will be lost. Uh, there's a fair. lot of things she might have realized. Um, and and also, she also there might have been an element of information gathering here. She might have wanted to know, like, how quick can I dive in? How accurate are their mm, shots? How I far? Where are they aiming? I I, she, you know, she didn't so. think of that that quickly. Like in her mind, if we're, if we're saying she was that emotional, there's no way she's making those calculations. But I'm trying to give her some credit, man. She maybe I mean, she could have thought about that afterward. Yeah, after the fact, yeah. Though. She may gain in, in intelligence even if she didn't mean to. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Gather at that moment. That, yeah. Uh, from Liet Rubenfeld and apparently many others. Please talk about the name of the episode, "The Last of the Starks." Yeah, uh, it's a it's an interesting name. Um, the fact that you know they brought it up uh, that way, and you know it's interesting because none of them are scheduled to are set to you know breed or have children. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it Sansa, could happen. Sansa easily can. Well, no, I'm, I know, but she's not set to. Like she could. That's what that was going to be my next comment. That she could easily, but right now she's got. There's no one like that. She. There's no one that I would look at and be like, oh, that's a good match. Who's for the her. candidate right now? Yeah. I don't think there is a candidate for, her, but I think that at the point where like we need to continue the family line, Sansa will be like, okay, I should do something. Yeah. I don't think the show will address that. But obviously, Arya and Bran are are like, we're done. We don't want any part of this, so we can say they're not relevant. Mm-hmm. That's, to the that's kind of that's kind of where I was going with that. Sa- yeah. It has to fall on Sansa. And, and John, really as we one. see, is 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 going with the Targaryen side. He's let Ghost go and let, likely or possible to die and who knows yeah. about breeding so Agreed. i don't think we need a pregnant sansa before the show ends to answer that question right but but it might be the way we it's answered i mean she won't be pregnant but we could see if we see her getting married we can assume she might accept that or responsibility or in a romantic situation she doesn't have to yeah just be something married. that you can kind of go oh i could see where that would lead to more starks yeah it doesn't have to be that explicit just something that gives us a a clue that it could go that way <laughs> Um, from uh, enough for a spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> from Sylvia Sabrex, you also said they didn't have enough wood to make arrows in preparation for the fighting with the Whites and the Night King, but yet they had a lot of wood to make all these funeral pyres. Smiley face. Yeah, that's not really what we said. We they didn't have enough wood to make arrows in time. There's with given time, they can get all the wood they need. 
And that was that was the argument. They either didn't have enough wood, or they didn't have time to make it into arrows. And the I, once that, the battle's over, they can do it. They have plenty of time. And the wood, and uh, well, they had not plenty of time because they still wanted to rush out of there a little bit. But the wood things they had to make for the pyres aren't as complex. Yeah, you just need say. you just need twigs. Chop yeah. a tree down there. Yeah. Now yeah. it's gonna burn. You don't have to like carve it into a straight line and attach feathers. Arrows are and, perfect. Yeah, exactly. But I do also, by the way, in my mind, is like. It's a lot of wasted lumber. That was my thought, and it's a, but you got to burn the dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need all that all that lumber to burn the dead. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know well enough about burning the dead. How but hot bodies need to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, the I dragons do it. Yeah, <laughs> might not, not. That might not be a good look. <laughs> Alan Carstairs, can the guys uh, talk about our new Prince of Dorne and what they might bring in terms of our army size? Yeah, I, I have no idea who this person is. There's bound, to, you know, there's got to be a new Prince of Dorne that would happen or princess. Of course, they said prince, so that's what it is. But it it could have been a princess. And of course it was a prince. Yeah. <laughs> and what they might bring, well, Doran's military power is largely unimpacted by the War of the Five Kings, so they could bring a substantial amount of troops. Now, Doran isn't the most populous kingdom, but 20,000 more troops would be huge. However, I don't think we'll get necessarily um they may not explicitly show up we'll see it's again there's a different hide they're hiding a lot of the details of of some large battle that's that seems to be coming and we have no idea what kind of troops will be in it there could definitely be dornish troops it would make sense if they would be given that line uh i believe their help could be very substantial in terms of troop manpower but they might just for story reasons keep that tampered down to something that keeps things more even hard to say it's something we've seen a million times in, in, in film and fantasy and in Game of Thrones itself. Like, just think about in Lord of the Rings, like, it seemed like all was lost. And at the last minute, here comes this army to save the day. It seemed yeah. like Battle of the Bastards. Here comes this army the last. So we could have had people in dire straits and suddenly the Dornish show up. So yeah. Now that might be disappointing because they haven't built up to that. There's not like some leader for us to be expecting to lead this charge. Maybe it's Dario. <laughs> I'm not sure, but, um. <laughs> <laughs> Dario so much hope for Dario coming to bring an army it's not impossible and um, to be clear we will be speculating we could speculate a little bit more about this in our book to show and who would be in this position but I really think it's a moot point I don't right. think it's going to matter but there are houses that like if the Martells were wiped out and not in power like we could speculate on who would be in charge. The Ironwoods would make a play yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, the Ironwoods are the ones I would think of. And the only ones in the show specifically that they've really referenced are the Danes, but they're really not relevant at all. But in terms yeah. of the only Dornish houses we really know much of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, from Arthur Vandalay, a.k.a. the Beard of the Morning. The only thing I've been confident of all season is Jamie will kill Cersei. It's happening. Right on. All right. You heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> you know, I do. I like I, I'm fairly confident in that, too. Um, I am not 100 percent. But yeah, definitely my top pick. I used to I used to kind of waffle on him and Arya. But now that Arya's killed Night King, I, I, I'm pretty much on Jamie doing it. What about you? I'm, I'm so unsure. Okay. I, I'm hesitant to like. Let's say Jamie is the most likely. I think he's. 11% and Ari, Ari is 10% and Tyrion is 9%. Where's you know, the rest? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Tina, they get Poison herself, she jumps out of a window. Like, okay. uh, it's, yeah, I mean, there's a chance you're on. Braun shoots her in the back with the crossbow. Like, I, th I think there's at least this five is, or seven ways it can happen. This is a good time for us to, to note the, the lack of the Valonqar part of the prophecy. Right. From, which is in the books, which we'll talk about on Wednesday, but it is not in the show. So if you're a show only viewer, then you would not, you'd be like, why are people so hung up on it being Jamie? It might be a little confusing to you. And it's not explicitly foreshadowed in the book. It is, it's probably him. It's, it's referred to as, the little brother, and so Cersei fixates on that being Tyrion, but but it doesn't have to be at all. It could be Jamie, <laughs> and it yeah. could be the little sibling. Yeah, 
<laughs> so, uh, so that's that's part of where that comes from. Question from Johnny Cash. Danny, fool me once, shame on me. Tyrion, let's talk to Cersei. Cersei, shame, shame, shame. <laughs> yeah, Tyrion just keeps trying. I mean, I don't think the last scene where he was trying, he knew he had no choice, or he knew he had no hope there, really. But it was the same, it was the same kind of thing. It was, he, he had to try, and from Danny's perspective, she wanted it known that they tried because of the politics afterwards, which was a bit cynical, but correct, I have to say. You know, uh, it, that's just the the... That's all the dirtiness that comes from the dirtiness of politics and having a big monarchy in the first place. You know, those are just all the problems with having that. Danny said at one point herself, look, this might not work, but at least people know that I tried, that I, I made the strategically, politically correct thing and yeah. it didn't work out. Siri, Cersei is, you know, in the way. So we came to the nuclear option, but I'm trying to do the right thing. It's, Tyrion might have known that Cersei wasn't going to back down, but he at least has to extend the olive branch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am, you know, okay, so let's let's see. Oh, uh, question from Marcy Douglas. No question, actually, to Super Chat. Thank you, Marcy. A couple other questions that were asked that we're going to move to the predictions episode because they, uh, at least one of them refers to the trailer. We do not refer to the trailer of the next episode during these reviews. We not only don't really have time to give that full treatment, but some people don't want to know and so we save that for a different episode. Saturday at two o'clock is when we will weigh on weigh in on that and other things regarding the trailer. Uh, one minor note that I wanted to make, just yeah. a little uh, production detail that I appreciate is yeah. that the characters are beaten up. Yeah, he had a big yeah. bruise on his arm. Arya has a black eye. I appreciate that everyone isn't just magically healed the next episode. There's all kinds of like. Things that we complain about with, I don't know, continuity, consistency, timing, angles of shots and battles and all this stuff. But I, I appreciate that people still have wounds from the battle. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about John. We, we, we started talking about John going south and we kind of diverted to talking about Danny, which is right now a bigger topic as we know more about Danny's situation. John's top, John's whole arc is almost up in the air, although it won't be on a dragon anymore. Ayo. <laughs> Sorry, too soon. <laughs> Uh, we haven't even seen his reaction to that yet. Like, I mean, he probably didn't bond with Rhaegal yet, but that puts a, a crimp in any plans for him to yeah. be, kick the throne. He's <laughs> like, oh, she has a dragon and I don't. But I don't know. Drogon may not live much longer either. So, yeah, John going south, of course, hard to miss the callbacks to Ned going south and how badly that went, <laughs> especially when you, Ned went and, and when Ned's father went south was burned by the Mad King or uh, Danny's father. So it's like, ooh. Yeah, especially when Sansa explicitly points out the similarities. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, she's right on, too. It's just, it's just right on. It's, it's hard to miss that parallel. And from the characters, and this is what we brought, we brought up earlier about Danny. We talked about how hard it is for us to see her perspective. It's hard for the characters in the world, too. And it's really hard for John as well. Because... John's died. He, John has, <laughs> I mean, John has found out he's not who he thought he was. Like, what a crazy thing to happen. He, he's not who he, he's not his father's son. He's not, he, he's found out his mother is a different person. Well, he never really knew who his mother was in the first place, but he thought that she abandoned him and she thought that he, you know, there's just all these things. So it's, it's really just uh, hard for us to, to, put ourselves in his shoes you know maybe a little easier than it is for danny but just so hard that we we're nowhere near and that's just really i think that's an important thing to start with when talking about john and what his where he's going now a lot of people have said that 
it, it kind of looks like maybe he does want the throne. Maybe not, not explicitly, subconsciously, because here's why. I, I, I'm not fully sold on this idea, but I do think there's some interesting, I think well, the way Danny said it to him, I think was 100% correct. Here's how you keep the secret. Don't tell anyone. Don't share it with your family. It's simple, man. Here, he's like, I want to live in peace. I just told you how. Don't tell anyone. She's a hundred percent right. <laughs> and, and when Varus says it's not a secret now, it's information. Once people find it, he's a hundred percent right. <laughs> and so it was, it was kind of frustrating because John was just being, a, a li- it's consistent for him to do this, but it's that same frustration where he just won't tell a simple lie when he really, really should. And it's just frustrating as a character, not as the writing. I think it's consistent, but I'm just like, damn it, John, tell a lie once in a while. Can we put that image, Shay, with that look on his face when, um, yes, I, I, I felt like, <laughs> you know, they're like, but you're our brother. Like everything yeah. he said, he's like, Ugh. that's why that, that, that's, uh, that's the part of this. Thing, yeah. Right. It's one thing to, for him to like, just not say the whole truth. Do, do your but, impression again, Sean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of when, once again, the office when Michael Scott, it's like, he's gotten in trouble for being, you know, politically sexist and racist around the office and HR. Jan's there. He's in trouble. And he's like announcing everyone, fine. I guess our company is just against comedy. I won't make any more, <laughs> any more funny jokes anymore. And, and Jim is like, well, that's going to be really hard for you. <laughs> and Michael's like, mm. he's like, I don't know. Can you, I, I've seen you go a long time without doing, you know, like, mm. <laughs> that's what she said. You just can't hold it in. She's like, <laughs> that's what she said. God. I'm really a Targaryen. Like, you just can't hold it in anymore. Yeah. So I mean, they they were just asking for it, right? Yeah, there. they yeah. were. Yeah. I liked how both the scenes played out that way because it was like with when Bran is when 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 uh, Bran is like or when John is uh, trying to d- kind of step sidestep, but they just like, no, you're our brother. It's like yeah. you said, and the same thing happened in the previous scene where they're just like, he just and the way the conversation is going, it's like, well, actually, it's kind of being beaten out of him a bit. But he did want to tell, and when 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 Danny says to him. If you tell Sansa she's gonna she's gonna want you to be on the Iron Throne, he's like, No, she's not. Like, what? Yes, she yeah. is. And that's the point to me was like, is he really that naive? And I don't think he's doing it on purpose. He's not manipulating her, but subconsciously, he's going a direction that his ethics don't agree with. Like, this is not he's not doing what he should do to to carry out the goal he's stated he wants to have, which is keep this a secret. And it's blatant. <laughs> the thing is he he can't. He can't keep this secret, in my opinion. He just can't. Hmm. Even if he... That, that's the reason he won't promise not to. Like, Well, he did promise to see, only tell Sansa and Arya. And then no, he, he didn't. He didn't promise that. Yeah, he did. He well, promised to only okay, tell wait. his family. He did. He said, I'm, I, I have to tell right. Sansa and Arya. I think Arya. you're right. I think you're right. But he, there's no way he would promise to not tell them. He just has to. He doesn't have it in him to not tell them. And now maybe he... It's To me, it's very similar to Ned. Okay? it's But Ned did keep the secret. Yeah, well, yeah no, Ned, no, no, Ned let me kept clarify. the secret. I know, I know, right? But when Ned goes to Cersei with these good intentions, like, "Look, I know your kids aren't Robert's kids, and I'm going to tell, and your kids are going to be in danger, so I'm giving you a chance to save your kids." He thinks, in his mind, he's thinking a step ahead. He's trying to do the right thing and save Cersei's kids. Does that make sense? But he's not thinking two steps ahead. He's, you know, he's not thinking. John's is 
knows he has to tell them and he knows that they'll tell someone else. So he makes them swear. Yeah, but I don't agree because but, but Dad was trying to save enough. Cersei's kids and there's no motivation here that does that. There's nothing. There's no like, I, if I don't, if I tell, if I keep the secret, people are going to die. That's just not, that's not the case. It's the opposite. Telling the secret means people will die. And he, that's what he did. That's For, the problem I have with it. Yeah. Wait, John's telling the secret means yeah, people will die? Yes. Yeah. Because it's going to cause, it's going to uh, do exactly what, da- what, what Danny predicted. I'm, he's being naive, right. in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't want to completely argue that there's not some of the subconscious thing going on. And in fact, I think a motivation might be similar to before is that he doesn't really want to be king, but he knows as king, he'll be better able to do good things for the realm. Da, da. Right. But I still, in my opinion, it's, it's really which is, just which being is naive. The same thing. He just assumed that Sansa and Arya would keep the secret. Right, but that's that's all super naive. Danny and Danny even told him his face how naive it was, and he still didn't believe it. Which, yeah. which to me is like, almost it's, there's a chance this is willful denial. That's I think what I'm that saying, same naive, right? Maybe, but that same naivete is, I think, going to be a problem between him and Sansa. I think that oh, Sansa yeah. knew. I think you, she was kind of coming to tears. She was like her mind's processing. She tells Tyrion, and I think she knew that doing that was a betrayal to John, and oh, it's yeah. going to be a rift between them. I think it may not, though. I agree, except. She may, he may never find out who told. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Or he may never find out that it has been told. He might just die. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You're right. That's definitely possible. And the thing is neat. And it's also like, but, but you're right that if he does find out, it could be a real rift because that was in the God's way. And he was like, no, no, swear. He made him swear. She was like, he was like, she tried to get out. She's like, well, how can I promise if I don't even know what it is? Like, swear. And she's like, I swear. So, yeah. So, and, and of course, as we said, just what, with what you were explaining, how seriously he takes these things. That's a big yeah. deal. He takes these oaths. It might have been seriously. silly. It might have been naive. Maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe he should have known they would talk about it all. But yeah. the fact is, he does take it serious. He yeah. was serious. They knew he was serious. And uh, like I, Sansa could have said, well, just don't tell me. I'm not going to swear. Don't tell me. You know, and I, I don't know what would have happened then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's interesting your point that he had to tell, I guess, because of who he is. Maybe he had to tell. He just couldn't keep that secret. But I don't know. Can I I say something real quick? I thought it was a really interesting kind of mirror image of each other in that John begs, you know, he or not begs, but he asks, he gets Sansa. He says, you know, promise me, swear it, right? Yeah. Keep this secret of my parentage, right? And Ned did listen to Liana when, when, when he, when she asked him. Meanwhile, Sansa, and Ned even didn't, didn't tell Catelyn. He didn't tell his wife, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, Sansa was asked, like, keep this secret of my, of John's parentage. And she told her husband. (laughs) 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 I just think it's funny. That's right. It was technically her former husband. Technically her husband. husband. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, just the idea that that these Starks have been asked to keep the secret of John's parentage and how differently Sansa treated it compared to how Ned and, and, I mean, John was in the middle between them where he at least told close family but didn't tell, you know, anyway. Sansa has more time pressure on her than Ned did, right? Yes. Ned could Ned just didn't have any keep this secret. Yeah. Seems like eventually, at some point, he could have, should have told someone. But Sansa has like has to make some decisions right now. He could have, if Robert had died, he probably could have told him. Told then that yeah. would have made. I, I think that after a number of years that 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 Ned could have told Catelyn. Yeah. I think after yeah, that's five, the one ten I think years, whatever, yeah. some amount of marriage, he could have told her, uh, just her. Maybe, but that's the, the thing is that's that's ignoring Ned's character, in my opinion. Ned promised to not tell. Boom. That's it. Period. You know, and maybe he shouldn't have made that promise, but even Catelyn is not. Well, I, mean, above, I make the not, same argument for John here. Oh no, I agree, yeah, yeah. and that—that's I agree. But he didn't promise to tell them. There was no, there was no explicit like I have to tell them. He doesn't owe them that. Whereas, no, I'm, I'm just saying it's it's John's character to expect this, 
Arya, they just can't, they just came at him with family, family, family. He's like, okay, family. He even told him, like, why should you, why should we make this promise even though we don't da da da? And John says, because we're family. The same thing you're throwing in my face. Well, they face, are family. Throw it in your they face. They still are family, even right. with the reveal. Well, right, but they still betrayed that all the, they, they feel betrayed that John isn't living up to his family obligations. And so he invoked that card. All right, family obligations. Keep my secret. Okay, we will because we're family. I swear. Hmm. Then she betrayed it. Like I, I, I'm only pointing out how it might he his what I want to say is naivete is it's, I think hmm. it's legitimate to say it's just that he really believed because of family they're thrown in his face. It doesn't discount the possibility that he might subconsciously want it, but I don't know. It's 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 hard to really know what he's thinking. But the things that were said out loud, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, and I definitely don't think it's an. I def- still don't think it's an ambition thing. No, definitely not yeah, that. It's yeah. just more of like a. He thinks he has to, or maybe he thinks maybe he maybe part of him agrees that that with some of the concerns about Danny as, as a ruler. Uh, even know. Tyrion even said like, "Sure, I think about it, but that's it's not treasonous to think about it." John might mm. think about what if I was king, but yeah, he's not yeah. saying it out loud. He's not taking actions towards. That's it, so. true. That's very true. So let's talk a little bit more about... Uh, I still have like an hour of stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh, a little bit about Cersei and Euron. We haven't really talked about them too much. By the way, we sort of... We had a section to talk about the battle part, but we kind of talked about it throughout, and we don't, I don't think we have anything else to cover there. But one thing we didn't show is because we talked about it throughout is the the scorpions and how cool they look and then they have kraken arms and and uh, shea noticed they also have like the red eye the single red eye on them oh really i didn't just really that. neat yeah so the detail on those is awesome it's just as cool as like the cracks and you know like they do they put a lot of effort into some of this detail which is really worth checking out and i really like the scorpion eye perspective shots like when we had Bronn aiming at the dragon i got that from Euron again yeah. that's cool that was really cool I, I wanted to point out, I put it at the end of the document, but it's a perfect time now for me to point out, um, we had a friend of ours who's watching the series for the first time, and she was just now today watching seasons, the season seven finale, right? Yeah. And um, Bob messaged me and said, um, they, they were talking about sailing to Winterfell versus flying, yeah. and there's a quote, all it takes is one angry man with a crossbow. No. Oh, wow. yeah, that's right. I remember that, in fact, yeah. Wow, good one. So good I, I like that. Okay, so yeah, uh, Euron and Cersei escalate a little bit in terms of their relationship and really sets up some sort of love triangle kind of situation when Jamie shows back up and... What would you do if you it, were Euron? Would you just yeah. kill Jamie? Like off, like try to sneakily kill him? Or <laughs> it, it does remind me. You asked me earlier when I was saying it. Even if uh, even if Jamie's the most likely to kill Cersei, it still only might be fifteen percent because there's all these. Euron is another one. I'm supposed Euron is another one. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's too like again. This is the same argument as before. Is he wants that baby first, and I don't think that that will happen soon enough. That that reminds me of another thing that happened. I, I, I forget. For all my note-taking, all my preparation, I oh, forgot t- to think Tyrion about this. Thing. Yeah, they didn't show Euron's face one time throughout that, which makes me wonder if they're not going to make a thing of it. Maybe Euron and everyone is just assuming I that- think they just didn't want us to be caught on to the fact that Euron is going to figure this out. Yeah. I yeah. looked, and I, I looked very closely, and there's a shot where you can see him from far away. Well, you can't really read his, sh- his face, you know. there's that. That's the closest we get. So I really think that is... Notable. The episode ended with you. very soon after that. Yeah. So it might not have been enough time for him to be like, 
by the way, how does he know? You know like, uh, that yeah. might be the opening scene of the next episode. He, yeah, and he's like, wait, how does Tyrion know about that baby? Yeah, that might be, it should come up. The fact that it hasn't come up yet doesn't bother me because it was like five minutes before the end of the episode. But if they do skip that, plot hole. <laughs> plot hole. Euron's too smart to not realize that, to not figure that out. It's going to be just like when Angela had her baby a little too soon. <laughs> blonde hair. Hmm. <laughs> that baby shouldn't have blonde hair. The seed is strong. What's up with that? So other details from the, the King's Landing. We already talked about, look at all the scorpions. I don't know if Shay put that up on the screen yet, but damn, it looks pretty fearsome. There was things I want, I want to point out, by yeah. the way. I just want to feel good. I've, I've made a lot of predictions. The final one came true. Kyburn made a battery of these things. Now I and you predicted they'd be on the ships. You thought they might be on the ships, too. You were right about that. And, and also, I want to give props to Kyburn once again. Champion, man. He is not failed he hasn't even had the slightest step back since yeah, the first time is, we saw him he has only progressed with success that dude is on point he progressed with success <laughs> and he's dressed for success with that combo maester robe and that gold hand Ooh, pin. Do, do we have that image yeah, yeah now's a good time for of, that, uh, this dichotomy between Tyrion and Kyburn facing off and i i know i'm not the only I, only person that, that made this joke but Hand-to-hand combat. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. You are the first person I've seen make that joke, actually. So, good job. <laughs> they should have run. If they had collided, it would have been a high five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a low five. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, yeah, so there's lots. We'll, we'll talk more about how Jamie, Euron, Cersei, Maiko in the predictions episode, um, except to say that, ooh, it'll be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be something. At least I hope it's interesting. And we talked about all the manpower she has. This scene had a lot of tension in it. The, the scene above, like, I didn't really think Cersei was going to give the order to shoot Tyrion. But it was possible. Like, earlier in the season, I would have been like, nah. But at this with three episodes left, it was possible. It was very possible. And and even if it, even if you didn't really think it was that possible, she, Lena's acting made it feel authentic anyway. I thought it was possible. Let me tell you. Yeah. I, geez, I'm telling you, my heart was pounding. I could feel <laughs> I, I was like, my palms are sweaty. I really thought in that moment what was going to happen is when she brought her hand down, not only were they going to unload arrows on Tyrion, the mountain was going to hack my Sunday down and they were going to fire all those scorpions into the dragon and the troops on her. I mean, I thought she was about to Some just sort of unload everything. Yeah, thing. I mm-hmm. thought that I thought it was, and then it boom, cut to black. I, I was yeah. ready for that moment. You, you're right. I mean, I, I felt like I, that was possible too. I, I think that would have been a smart decision if Drogon hadn't been just out of, yeah, Drogon was too just, far yeah, just, just a little, a little bit far back enough yeah. that Drogon would fly up and torch her. And so then it's just like, okay, we're all dying. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also why you guys, I mean, when you, when you talk about the Masande thing, a, a point against it too. Yeah. We'll yeah. And that's another thing I also, I kind of went back and forth in my head and I can imagine people out there were like trying to analyze and break down the range of the weapons and how close they really were and da da da. And like, I just am trying, like, I even was like, eh, roll my eyes a little bit. Unlike Tyrion speaking up, like, he, he, he can't have this nuanced, soft voice. He's going to be yelling up there, but, but just for the presentation of this show find whatever the ranges of the the archers are whatever you know like yeah uh, however yeah. loud Tyrion has to speak we got this image um and in fact 
I guess this is as good a time as any, Shay, if you're able to show that shot of from Tyr- of, uh, of Tyrion and I looking up. I thought that was just a, a beautiful cinematic. Yes. This show, yeah. this the series in general is full of them, but I really liked that one. I thought yeah. that was a really good shot. It was good, yeah. And in the shot looking down of Cersei, looking down on Tyrion, it reminded me a lot of Troy. Yeah. Oh, now that you mention it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. it really does. Because it, 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 it was very like scoured the land in front that like there wasn't yeah. much green it looked like it had been well scoured and yeah troy that's a great call it really and, is like that and i also wanted to say which by the way you know who wrote who did troy dan oh really oh, oh. oh the other one one of the two guys did troy yeah. one wrote troy wrote okay. the yeah one yeah. of the two i forget which one but yeah uh, there you go <laughs> and i also want to say Tyrion's a freaking hero i thought that was a really good moment there however much Super brave, you know, even though it was like almost impossible right. that it would work. <laughs> Maybe he's not going to contribute in this massive battle against the zombies, but he was willing to. He wanted to be up there risking himself, trying to find a way to, to get an edge. And and he has gone out into battle before. But in this moment, I thought this was a and, – and even if Danny is like questioning his loyalty, his motivations, like you are a Lannister. Maybe mm-hmm. you are – we even yeah. talked about how the idea that a lot of his ideas, even if they are – good or correct right they yeah. coincidentally they keep cersei from being killed or keep james yeah. from being killed at convenient okay. but in this moment like even if he is on some level trying to protect his family he is also risking his own life he i, I, I love that moment i thought it was really good when he's like this is going over with kyburn well i'm just gonna go talk to cersei and he walks forward and they draw their arrows and he stands his ground i thought that was a really good moment for his character it was made for a really good cinematic moment that's yeah and, and I'm telling you, like as many complaints as I have about this show, some I kind of rationalize in my mind, some I can't. Some people have complaints that I don't have. But the fact is, my heart was beating, dude. Like, I, th- how many shows get you that emotionally invested? That was tense. How that many was really beautiful tense. imagery and emotions are. Oh man, well said, man. Good, uh, good, well said for sure. And and another, just another thing to add to that. We had a similar moment at the end of season seven when Cersei and Tyrion have their meeting and Cersei's the same when she, Gregor's got his sword half pulled out and she's like, and she backs down. And so I thought maybe, I was like, that was, for me, that was a big thing that added tension. She's like, oh, this time she's just going to do it, you know? So yeah, really, really good Jamie tension. also, she wanted the, the mountain yeah. who drew a sword and Jamie, and Jamie's like, I don't believe you and walked off and told Bronn, I don't believe you. And Bronn fired at that arrow. And like, <laughs> it's like, they're Whoa. like, everyone's on the edge right now. This is a... <laughs> yeah, it's bleeding into the fandom too. <laughs> We're all on edge. Come at me. <laughs> Come at me, crow. <laughs> uh, so let's, so actual Masande's final moments, we should, we should talk Talk about that. Pretty, uh, pretty badass final line. She get to yell. She yelled Dracaris. Cersei gave her, uh, you know, if you have any final words. And that was, if you're only going to yeah, say one good. word, that yeah. was, that was cool. She's like, I'm not afraid. Come revenge me or avenge me. You know, this is what's coming. And I, I, did you, did you get a vibe that maybe she would try to grab Cersei and go down with her? I mean, it wouldn't make much sense from a plot reason, but, but it felt similar to Sansa standing next to Joffrey in season two next to Ned's head when in the book, you know that she's thinking about it. She's yeah. thinking, she's like, oh, I can take him down and we both go die. And ha- the hound kind of senses it. And that's why he walks over and offers her his tissue. He's like, here, yeah, wipe yeah. your nose. Yeah. And then she's like, and then the moment was gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was thinking of that. It reminded me of that, even though there was no way it would happen. Just like there was no way Sansa would do that with Joffrey. For plot reasons, there's no way Masande is going to be the one to kill Cersei just all yeah. of a sudden in episode four. Well, the, I, And I was like, I was like, someone brought that up to me, one of our roommates. And I was like, oh, man, that would have been awesome. It would have been. <laughs> I hadn't considered it because, you know, this goes kind of without saying, but I should clarify. Like, you might be like, oh, man, that's so good. 
she knows they have a, a line of scorpions there. Like, if she does that, that's all these Unsullied killed, oh, Daenerys yeah, they were just killed, Jorgon pretend like that's it just true. means that a bunch of people are going to die just for yeah. her to take some. Well, she might out. not have thought of that. And if it kills Cersei, yeah, if it kills Cersei, just, but yeah. if it kills her dragon queen and her love Grey yeah. Worm, then like, fair point. Yeah. Uh, so, that, anyways, why she might not have done it because it, in my head, I was like, man, I, I actually really wish she had done that. Maybe <laughs> she had tri- it would have been cool if she had tried. Yeah. You know, then you could see the bravery, and then it's like, it's not a big deal if she no, fails. reaches out and grabs Cersei. Arm and just like I'm that. really strong, but, it, but it like would have been really tense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Masande is a little bit more of a measured, rational person yeah. who would who would be able to look yeah. out and be like, I have to make this sacrifice. But I also wanted to take this moment to point out like the line she says, Dracarys. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's badass. In my head, I was like, what if they had his plan all like along, <laughs> like a safe word, and now Drogon's gonna fly? <laughs> but also, like, that's a, is funny. As it's, a safe it's, word. A, it's a super <laughs> significant word for both Masande and Grey Worm and, and Daenerys because yeah. the first scene when we meet Missande and Grey Worm and oh, like yeah. that's, that's what Daenerys she does yeah. she unleashes you know, you know she she kills the masters with Dracarys and so like for both Missande and Grey Worm in their romance and for their their uh, yeah anyways it was a really yeah. good book and the book Missande is like hmm? when she yeah. when Danny reveals that she can actually speak the yeah, language that yeah. she's pretending not to speak she's like hmm? <laughs> and like one of the others like one of the slavers is like oh, but the other ones don't notice <laughs> that's pretty cool anyway yeah good catch there that's really good I didn't think I didn't think a minute about like the protocol there my idea of like Cersei just launching everything you know if I get you know that type of thing kind of means all bets are off you know yeah. so which whether that means but even if Maybe it's fine. Daniel will come in and burn everything. Well, maybe she can't because it's scorpions, but maybe they'll poison the water or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a certain amount of protocol that Miss Sunday, if anyone, would be aware of. She so many times has been the person at part of this messenger meeting, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel like she wouldn't do that. But I also feel like anything could happen in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) We have some more questions to handle. Do you have some thoughts you want to get out before the questions? Or are you going to try to take these questions in case they address Um, any of your other points? Yeah, some of them probably will. Let me uh, go go ahead and do one. Let me check my notes. Okay. (laughs) First question from Karen Sita. People are mad at Ned for not telling Kat about John, and people are mad at Sansa for telling about it. Make up your mind and smash the like button. Yes, please. Smash the like button. That is, uh, we very much appreciate that. You'd be surprised at how much likes can add up and help our videos get seen more. They really do. It's a very good way to contribute without uh, giving any money. But we obviously appreciate money, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. There's a little bit of a consistency issue there, but um, their circumstances are different, uh, to be fair, as well. And, but I think we we got into that pretty well already. The Prince That Wasn't Promised says, Sansa told for the realm, and Marcy Douglas says, telling the secret clears the one black mark on Ned Stark's reputation. Definitely didn't think of that. Revealing that Ned was protecting a secret rather than that he fathered a bastard and cheated on his wife. That is something that John would care about and the rest of the family would too. It doesn't seem like a major motivation. They hadn't brought it up, but I do think it's completely fair and it could have entered John's thinking even if he didn't say it out loud. That's pretty good. I like that. Sansa told for the realm is is a related point, but a little different. I agree. I don't know if she's right, but she is... I don't think she's thinking ambition here. I don't at any point, no point. Just like John, I don't think she's like, oh, we gotta have this I don't power think, for ourselves. I don't think she's thinking ambition, but I don't think it has to necessarily be for the realm. It's it it could north. be for the realm. It could be for the north. Yeah, and it could be for her family or for her own sense of comfort or worries about who is in power. Fair enough. Without yeah. being actually extending, but okay. I, we, I, it's hard for me to say. Okay. Cool. I, I was sensing some commonalities between Sansa and Varys. Hmm. They are both. However good or correct they are, 
they seem to be worried about the realm. They may have other motivations also, but they at least ostensibly are worried about, and, and Tyrion even says, the realm, what does that even mean? You know, but whether they're worried about their security within the realm or their family or their home, but they do have these motivations of, you see why they're worried about who's going to be in charge. Yeah. And you even see why they might be worried about Danny being in charge. <clears throat> and I, a, a point I wanted to make, another frustration I have of Varus is like, Let's say that Varus is correct and Danny is better than, or John is better than Danny. How much better? Because this, this change up is going to come with conflict and stress. So like, I'm, I don't know if, if, if Danny is scoring an 88 and John's getting a 90, how much upheaval are you going to get for a <laughs> yeah. 2% increase? Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like Varus is messing up, but I agree. Um, but I, I guess, and I, in the same way that I want to try to, de- well, I was going to say in the same way I want to try to defend, Sansa or Danny or some of these other characters are in these tough spots making decisions that we question. We can't expect Varus to be perfect either. But you know what? Varus hates magic too. That's something we didn't bring yeah, up as well. Yeah. But know? we, I feel like we should expect more from Varus. He has been an advisor to multiple kings. He is more experienced. He has more data. I, I am more frustrated with him when he makes what I feel like are strategic mistakes. You know? Right on. Um, from Marcy Douglas. Cersei standing on the wall felt like the dominoes have already been set and she could do nothing else but make them all fall. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, that's a great yeah. symbolic take. Great uh, kind of touches on the cinematography of that like scene. Like her hand coming down and the launching of the bolts. It is kind of like dominoes. A series of events are going to start to unfold that you can't stop. From Ragbag 2, nice name, <laughs> when Tyrion made the get speech... get Ragbag 1. <laughs> <laughs> when Tyrion made the speech to Cersei about she's not a monster and she can live for her child, was he really speaking to Daenerys, her last dragon being her child? I thought she seemed to hear it that way. The cause is lost, John being a factor, but she can still fly away and save her child. That's a great take, and I did get that vibe. I was thinking how this these these lines work for Danny too, and this it started us thinking about how... Danny and Cersei started in very different places. And like I said at the beginning, a lot of similar things happened to them. Uh, they, they're, they've slowly lost their children, the people around them, their allies, their lovers, their authority in some way. As they've gained authority, they've become more isolated from their subjects. And even Danny is loved less than she was, which has been shown, you know, partly because she's not surrounded by the army that she originally won the people that she freed from bondage which of course they're going to be grateful for that this is the this is westeros that doesn't have this built-up gratitude to her it doesn't have this long her a long career of her fighting for them if anything they have a built-up suspicion of her yeah right the targaryens have in modern recent times at least are not people aren't hoping to get them back. Now, maybe with the way things turn out with Cersei, they start to. But I also think they did a good job of making that clear, too, that Cersei gets to spend this. Mm. You know, the people of King's Landing are on her side. You know? Yeah, and she is using that very cynically with the, using them as human shields. And, uh, yeah. Whew, like very- we see that she's using them as human shields, but she didn't make a speech like... People of Westeros, <laughs> come are? be my human shield. <laughs> <laughs> Her speech was, this even evil dragon foreigner, all these savages are coming to get you. And I'll protect I'll be your you. safety. Come into my walls. Yeah, know, you know. it's it's really, uh, really deliciously villainous. <laughs> <laughs> it's very well done. Uh, from JDS Third, why did Danny want Aegon to hide his identity? Honesty is the best policy. Tell everyone and say he doesn't want it. <clears throat> done. Danny is insecure and manipulating. Would she hide her target identity for anyone? Well, that first question that is, arises from here isn't one of the questions that was asked, which is, are they going to start calling him Aegon? 
<laughs> Probably not. Talk about not wanting to confuse the, the less attentive fans. <laughs> Changing Jon Snow's name at the last minute, not exactly going to help with that. So no, I, I kind of doubt they'll actually change his name. They'll probably still go by Jon. But... Why, okay, but I'm gonna. Honesty is the best policy. No, I do not agree with that. I, I think honesty is the best policy most of the time. But let's just use the example we just talked about before. Would it really have been better for Ned to tell the truth about John's parentage? No, that John would be killed. <laughs> yeah. How is lying more sacred, or the truth more sacred than protecting someone's life? It's just. It just isn't to me. It, I think that it. I mean, that's I think why that you can't be. just. That, that's that, that's my be. point. Honesty right. is not there always. There are some the best scenarios where a, a lie, where your honor, like even at the cost of someone's life, might be more valuable because it saves way more lives. Right. Yes. I mean, it stops a war from happening. I, it's a, it's a, you know it's there's sliding scales. Yeah, uh, and and when Varus and, and Tyrion pointed out that that if one Sansa <laughs> finds out, she's going to route the veil will side with John, and it's like that's part of setting up for for war. I mean. That, and that's a, you know, avoiding war is everything, you know, like almost anything is worth it if, yes. if you avoid a yeah. war. Almost, almost like so many atrocities are worth it if it gets you out of war. And it's a horrible thing to say, but war is just thousands of atrocities. Exactly. Exactly. So a couple is definitely tradable for thousands. As you, awful as you it is. You have to be careful with <laughs> this slippery slope. Though, yes. Right. There, yes. there is something to be said for principles and ethics. Yeah. Um, but there's also something to be said for why they exist in the first place. And this could become a very complicated philosophical discussion, but it's, you know, you can argue that, that the reason that we believe in things like honor, honesty, integrity, so on, sort of like these, there are these constructs that we've come up as people mm. basically because they help us maneuver around the world without threat of violence. Yeah. Does that makes okay. sense. We can trust, we can be secure. We can know that our actions are safe, that our lives are safe and so on, right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes they're not anyway. Right? Mm, yeah. Sometimes you have to choose between these two different things that are gonna attack your security. And uh you might have to sacrifice your honor for some bigger goal. Like it's mm -hmm. you know, some utilitarian reason for sacrificing honor. Well honor in the first place is utilitarian. Does that make sense? Yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. And one, uh, certainly a, a thing I agree with here uh, from JDS Thirds, uh, several questions here. Um, is this is a good point. If, if John were to tell everyone and openly abdicate his claim, that would be enough, I think. Even Sansa and Arya couldn't do anything about it. If he openly declares himself, I abdicate my claim, I abandon my claim. That's strong. I agree with that. And I think it's, it's the, the, the out is there because that's what branded. However, I think they at least attempted to address this with a couple lines of dialogue. Basically, Varus is saying like, Danny won't share. Like, like that's kind of Tyrion's take. Look, they can just get married. This isn't an issue, right? And Varus is like, no, it's still an issue. Danny won't share the power. Well, there advocating will still be this conflict sharing, though, between them. Right? People will still follow John and not Danny. But they, but they're not following him to be king. If he's abdicating his, if he's abdicating the right to be king, then he can't be king. Let me clarify. Okay, Joffrey technically was king. Yeah, but people are still torn. Do we follow Joffrey? Do we follow Tywin? Cersei's telling me to do this. Like people still don't know who to follow. But they don't follow. They weren't about. following people who weren't kings, though. They weren't following anyone who didn't want to be a king. All the people who were kings that we were followed, people who wanted to be a king or were being. No, no, what I'm saying is, that even when you have a king, clearly, yeah, there are still torn loyalties. There's still, but if, John's not going to be a king. That's the, what I'm getting at. If he's abdicating, he's not a king. If he abdic, 
He's abandoning his claim permanently well, by would, doing okay, that. Okay, okay. I guess let me clarify. It's like taking the black. is one thing. Marrying Danny is another. Those yes, are two those different are very things. different. And, yes. so, okay. and John being at court while Danny's ruling or something is another thing entirely. Whereas if he right. abdicates or, or says, I'm not going to do it, and he goes beyond the wall, or then yeah, it's a moot point. But if he says he's going to do that, and then he's, you know. In her presence. Yeah. Then exactly. That's safe. what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? I, I was sort of assuming that even if he abdicates, they're still going to get married or he'll still be part of the court. And I think Vars is right. That just well. Yeah. I don't necessarily think Vars is right that just won't work, but I see the concerns there. Okay. And yes. I also think that even if it's right and that doesn't work, figure out how to deal with that issue later on. You know, so. <laughs> cool. That makes sense. From Chris Trombley, can't wait for the Wednesday episode, almost 2K live watchers. Are we really that? Did we really get that close? Hmm? 2K watchers? Um, yeah, I mean, we're at, at 1,800 right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, sorry, That's we're, it? we're at about 1,800 right now, and the highest we've gotten is about 1,900 last week. So I think close. It was. Yeah. Well, you'll have to tell your friends, folks, if you wanted to get us to 2K for some double dancing. <laughs> I don't know how badly you actually want to see that, but if you do, yeah, that's what you, that's what needs to be done. T- 10K shirts off? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> sure. 10,000 live viewers? Yeah. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, just me and Sean. <laughs> to get a shade to do, we need a lot more viewers, maybe. <laughs> maybe a lot fewer. Or a lot fewer, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're probably more accurate with that, Sean. Yeah, yeah, like if we have zero viewers, she'll do it. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'll say Aziz does it about before every stream, just about. He is shirtless on camera. So Yeah, because yeah. I always put my shirt in the dryer to get it touched up. And, you know, <laughs> that's, how it go- that's how we roll around here. From Amanda Mitchell, no question, just great work. Thank you very much, Amanda. From Temporal JWR, a super chat with no question. Thank you again. From Callista Cross, couldn't tune in live, but came to say thank you again for great content every week. Keep it up and see you at Con of Thrones. Yes, we will. Shout out to Con of Thrones. You get $5 off your ticket purchase with a, with using, by using the code history. All three of us will be there and doing lots of panels and having a great time. It's in July. It's in Nashville. Come on down and see us. I have a, a a little observation. Sure. Thing I wanted to point out. Do it. Um, when John, when when the, the last of the Starks are discussing <laughs> things, and incidentally, I think I think Bran only said one thing in that whole conversation, and it was a very telling thing, a very interesting to me, a very interesting thing to me. A lot of the story and stories in general are the idea of destiny versus decision. And especially when you have stories with prophecies, time travel, whatever, the idea of, you know, are we really in charge of our own destiny? John looks at Bran, you know, when they're coming at him like, but you're our brother, but you're our brother. And he's like, that's what she said. <laughs> but, uh, but. <laughs> he looks at Bran and Bran says, it's your decision. And it, it to me, kind of implied that the future is not set. You know, that John is getting to decide his own destiny here, that hmm. it's not... Maybe it is, and Bran isn't revealing that. Maybe Bran knew John was going to tell them no matter what. Um, but I also want to point out that uh, this is maybe a little bit of tangent again, kind of philosophical. But I think just because it's known what is going to happen doesn't mean decisions weren't made to get there. Okay, that, makes that is a philosophical. <laughs> That's yeah. interesting uh-huh. to think about. Yeah, let that one sink in. Mm-hmm. Marinate on that one for a minute. From Strange TV, I now see why book watchers have such an issue with the show. D&D have thrown logic out the window. Yeah, that's we, we do see, you know, the nature of TV and of, of having to cut things down to fit in these seasons. And, you know, there's plenty of fair complaints, tons of fair complaints. Yeah, and, and the books have far fewer 
uh, consistency issues. There's hardly any consistency issues. They're extremely detailed and nuanced. But yeah, but you don't get, you know, you don't get the the fantastic acting. You don't get the unbelievable cinematography. You don't get the week-to-week enjoyment with your friends. It will be fun when The Winds of Winter comes out. It'll be like constant fun where we're just constantly talking about new stuff we've thought about. But, you know, I, I, st- I appreciate it. It's like John and Danny. You have different, there's different things to like about them both as rulers and different problems with them both. Not problems necessarily with the books, but things that the books can't do, you know, like have acting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and music. Oh, man. I mean, like the music and the show, we talk about that. It's like a 10 out of 10 every single time. This episode was no different. We, we almost don't even talk about it because it's just... There's not a whole lot to say other than it's great, and we're not like expert enough to to discuss exactly what's happening with some of them. Even though I have a music degree, I'm not speaking to some of these things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, sometimes we just take some of that stuff for granted. We don't talk about it because it's not really it's not as analyzable, at least not by us. You know? Yeah. The the statement they've thrown logic out the window. I understand where that's coming from, but it's not like they have completely thrown logic out the window, right? Yeah. It's not like everything everyone does is completely logical. There's some moments where we're like, yeah. hey, wait a minute. We have this immensely complicated, epic adventure of a story going on, and sometimes things don't line up, and we have super high expectations because they've done such a good job, and we get frustrated with those. Yes. But, in fact, uh, I, I there's a survey. I feel bad. I can't remember, but Christina, uh, the surveys that she's doing in Shea, and I think they're associated with a, a site that like covers the survey yeah, information. Yes, Blood of the Pod you're talking about. Um, yeah. If you go to History of Westeros Twitter, you can see we've retweeted it recently, but you can also just look up Blood of the Pod on Twitter. And they've done you know surveys pre and post the episode you know every week, yeah. um, analyzing that data. And it's really it, interesting stuff. I shared it on my Facebook, too. And uh, and these surveys, they, they kind of go through and they're like, they're like you know, Strongly disagree, moderately disagree, agree, strongly agree, da, 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 Yeah. Know? And they go through different aspects of the show, like the interaction between these two characters, this scene, uh, uh, the production design, the music. I kind of go through these different things and ask what you think about it. And as I go through, I'm like, strongly agree, agree, strongly agree, moderately agree, neutral, strongly agree, totally disagree, strongly agree, neutral. So like, I'm like, I, I realize <laughs> as I look at these different things, I think you could come up with a list. Where mm-hmm. I would be like, yep, that yeah. pissed me off. Yep, that p-. you could come up with a list of things where I'd have all these negative answers. And, and maybe this survey is, is skewed in some way. But the point is, it, it wasn't hard for me to find all these outstanding points, even if I do grumble over some very yeah. frustrating points, you know. Yeah, it's hard. And that's why I kind of encourage people to, to try to look at the whole and not just let, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little preachy, but don't try not to let a couple of details ruin it for yeah. you. And you it's know? also not like, all the other movies and TV shows out there perfectly execute everything. Yeah. And this show's ruining the show it all. Is, it's, like, it's fair to all say all these the show... adventure movies are just full of nonsense, yeah. man. And they're literally breaking every record ever. Yeah. Is everyone out there a moron for going to watch these movies? Of course not. No they're one fun. understand logic, you know? Yeah, of it's course still, not. Yeah, they're we fun. We care as about hell. these characters. Yeah. We care about these adventures. We care about these cinematic moments. We You're care right. about this CGI. Whether we should, whether it's illogical, it's awesome, it's cool. We're invested up to this point. We're going to gripe at the parts that can, that the, the, the are letdowns, you know. I mean, I, and it's fair to say you scrutinize it more when you like it more. You yeah, know, like, yeah. like I would never scrutinize. There's plenty of shows I can think of that are way worse than this, but I don't bother to scrutinize it because I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and that's, that matters. Um, and it's funny, uh, referring back to Strange TV's comment about D&D throwing logic out the window. Did they say the things I do for love when they did that? <laughs> <laughs> when they shoved logic out the window. <laughs> and will they later have their hand cut off for that? We got a little Casanova the action. The cat that was promised. The cat that was promised. Hey, little bud. 
We got a little Casanova in air action. Time. A little airtime for Casanova. <laughs> no pun intended. Good boy there. One? He's Stay he's right handling the it. Microphone here. <laughs> Next, we have a question from Kim Abridged, Westeros History. I'm new to Patreon. What's the best way or time for patrons to ask questions? Well, thank you for asking that. That's a good good opportunity for me to clarify. Yeah, you patrons keep your mouths shut. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, that's the other. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I make I, I well, I always make a post on Patreon with the episode link, but sometimes it's up with only a couple hours before the event, which isn't enough time for people to post questions always. So if I haven't posted the episode link, you should email us through Patreon or at westroshistory.com. It's maybe a little better through Patreon because then we know who you are. But either way, we're going to see it. And we're probably going to answer it no matter what. Uh, we'll occasionally move questions to different places if we think they're more appropriately answered at a different time. But that will all work. You can also tweet them at us. Uh, it's just, the again, the best way is for Patreon because that's how we know you're a patron. Otherwise, we may not know who you are if you tweet at us or send an email. But if you say who you are, that covers those bases. So basically, any of the ways you want to contact us is good. Uh, the better, the earlier you send the question, the better, though. That's always the case, too. Send a raven. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I, I made a new hashtag on Twitter. WWSD. What would Sansa do? <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> I'm going to laugh when you look at that hashtag and it's just like all porn or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, you're like, it stands I guess for I didn't make else. a new one. Uh, WWSD, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, a couple more questions and then we'll call it. Uh, Nathan Morton says, anyway, it ends up Seven Kingdoms, not one. Maybe not seven or maybe eight or, yeah, definitely there's a chance. I mean, I've, I think that if, if Danny really is on top of her game and she really wants to rid the world of tyranny, like she says, well, she's going to have to realize that the Iron Throne is an instrument of tyranny as much as it is potentially an instrument of peace. You know, a good king, well, it's, if you have a good king, it's better if it's one realm. If you have a bad king, it's better if it's seven. Yeah. yeah. Seven tyrants do less damage than one big one, potentially. Or if, you know, you're probably not going to have seven tyrants at once. You know, they're probably, some of them will be decent. It's also, you're, you're making it hard on yourself when you limit the pool of leaders to a bloodline. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's totally. to me the, the thing you need to ban. Yeah, even if they still have kings, but don't do it with monarchy. Like, even if it's yeah. not the firstborn, like if they were to switch that part, that would be a huge improvement. Michelle, you had something to say? Yeah, just some other people saying what WWSD could stand for. Oh, no. that you're <laughs> repping. You know, they're fine, but okay. Frozen C says WWSD, White Walkers should die. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what I thought you were going to say at first is even though knowing you're a big Sansa fan, I was like, WWSD, what would Sam do? No, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, anyways, I just wanted to point that out. I just like White Sam Walkers. would turn and run. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would do too, and that's what the smart person would do. He would go so. get Gilly pregnant. <laughs> Some people are wondering about whether Sam deserves to be executed for his violating his Night's Watch because he talked about how he he talked about the technicality. He doesn't actually say we can't be with him, which is we can't father a child on them. But now he's fathered a child on one. Of course, he's not going to be executed. That'd be ridiculous. They would pardon him. Or, and arguably, the Night's Watch doesn't even exist anymore. But it's it's funny. <laughs> no I'm one's going to chop Sam's head off for getting Gilly pregnant. I want to give a, a, a <laughs> shout out to this content creator I discovered. He 
he does stuff beyond Game of Thrones, but he just does like these two minute little videos of watch something and his reactions. And he edits it down to just a bunch of quips. But Scooter Magruder Scooter is Mag- freaking hilarious. It's just watching him watch an episode. Of, he gets all in costume and everything for it, too. But but he's when he's, he's doing the, you know, episode three, he's like, show what books can do, Sam. You know, he's like, he's <laughs> so excited you know, when he was like, where's Brand going? He's watching in game. You know, <laughs> it just was like two minutes of straight laughter. So. That's really good. Okay, that was the last super chat. So we're going to start with the outro, say some thanks, and give a little bit of a tease for what we're going to talk about next time on Saturday. We'll definitely talk about predictions. We'll analyze the trailer. There'll be set, there'll be a set photos like there always is, presumably, during the week, and we'll grab those to get a little bit more information. Um, several questions that were asked today were more appropriate for the predictions episode, so those will be there. And we've got questions for the Book to Show episode on Wednesday with Lady Gwynn. And we're going to have Joe Buckley, our co-writer, who's helped us with several episodes, including some of our show coverage, is going to be making his first appearance on the show as well. So that should be fun. A couple of teaser items we have for Book to Show. We're going to talk about Daron's chair, the brand reference there to the wheelchair, which includes a little bit of uh, information, which is a little distant nod to Bloodraven as well. Talk a little more about Euron's ship. Talk about this Prince of Dorne. Talk about Varys and Ares. Talk about Cersei and Danny and parallels to Rhaenyra. And Fagon, the Varus Fagon stuff is actually coming out even in, in a oblique way that we maybe didn't see coming, but it fits pretty well for what they've done here. So that's very cool. Um, so thank you everyone for coming. Thank you live viewers. Thank you everyone who has liked and shared and subscribed and talked about our podcast. It really means a lot to us on a personal level and it really means a lot to us as a show. It makes a big difference. The number one way podcasts and videos spread is word of mouth. YouTube algorithms help. Other things help. But the number one thing is word of mouth. Friends, so, trusting friends, advice on what's good. So what you're saying is we need their mouths? We need your mouths. Mm-hmm. We're not going to cut your tongues out. We are no <laughs> Euron. This is no silence. <laughs> Shout it loud, folks. So thank you to Ashea for running production and having all the Kraken arms. Lots of excellent comments today, too, amidst all your uh, great work. Um, lots of thanks for and all some the- terrible comments too that were too <laughs> too soon. <laughs> thanks to Michael Klarfeld for our video intro and all the beautiful maps, many of which you can see behind us, many of which you can't. So go to claradox.de to see the rest. Thanks to Joey Townsend and Jesse Koal for our music. And thanks to a couple of key patrons. But first, let me throw out our shout out to Flick again. Join Flick through the link in the show notes. I'll also be tweeting it. We'll be posting it in the Facebook group. I'll be sharing it around. So if you don't see it, you'll see it soon enough. Please join and support us there and ask us questions. We'll occasionally bring questions from Flick to the live streams. Uh, The best questions and the best answers can make it on there. More opportunities for y'all to get shout outs in as well. If you ask a great question there, your name will get mentioned. Could count the episodes left, you know, our coverage on one hand, you know, it's uh on Davos's hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad. We're getting toward the end, so make it count. Rearrange your schedule. Get in here. Let us get two thousand viewers. Yeah, do you do that? Now that said, we will certainly have some postseason coverage. There's so many things that that you know we want to kind of wrap up. We talk about maybe in some cases we can talk about some full arcs of characters. Maybe think back to their their full run. That'll be fun. And of course. And we've got some book, some, uh, book topics that are show inspired. 
Shay and I are doing this Azora High bit that's uh, super relevant. And there'll be other things too. Show show thoughts, our book thoughts inspired by the show that go beyond our book to show coverage. And of course, the successor shows are a thing. I mean, we don't know what they're t- shape they're going to take yet, but we have modest hopes that it'll be a success. Success like Game of Thrones? Probably not. Super, super. Unlo- I mean, that's predicting one of the most popular shows of all time. Like Game of Thrones is one of the most popular shows of all time. So guessing that a show will match that is a bit of a reach. But- it's a reach, but it's, I'm telling you, Breaking Bad, one of the best, most popular whatever shows of all time. And it's been off Better Call Saul is better. I'm telling you. It's not more successful, though. I agree with you that it's better, but it's it is not, not more successful. Yet. Yeah. A shame. Yeah, it's yet. not more successful yet. I <laughs> yes. will make it more successful person by person. Yeah, all three of us like Better Call Saul better than Breaking Bad, and we know that that's a bold statement. A bold statement. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we do, but we see we do have hope for the successor shows, even though uh, we maybe don't think they'll be as big as Game of Thrones. And I they also don't have to be, like, to be awesome. Though. Yeah, I am feeling a little sadness coming on as we're closing to the end here and thinking about how few more episodes there are. But I do realize how much more material there is. How new show coming? New books coming. You're going to read There's those so much books. Stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading the books currently. I can get maybe more involved with those. And even a, a thought that I had is like, because a lot of times people ask this question. We've talked about this a lot. Like, what yeah. do you want to do when shows? In the <laughs> books, how you, Cameron asks, you know, like, do you guys do it like episode, like chapter to chapter? How do you cover the books? And like, well, it's easy to like pick a topic. And throughout the books, this topic comes up over and over. And we could do that for the show, too. In fact, yeah. we did a Jamie episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's true. Certainly within the show, even, still have more material that yeah. isn't just this episode. So You're absolutely right, and we'll do a lot of that based on your all's feedback. We we focus on book material, but show doing show live streams and talking about it, it's, it's no problem to sneak some of those in here and there without distracting from our work on the book. It won't slow us down, because we can't obviously can't just work on that 24-7. And it's, it's nice to kind of change gears every once in a while to stay fresh even if it's book to show isn't the biggest gear change of all <laughs> it's still some it's still something and it's also a good way for us to you know keep having you on the show which you know would be a little more of a challenge if you uh didn't read the books but you're going to and we'll have more to say so let's give a few uh patron shout outs we did all the other thanks i believe I think one we covered other everybody else. uh super chat from travis payson oh. thanks for consistently providing awesome content well thank you he travis. snuck one in there <laughs> and if you didn't get your super chat chat addressed you can email us but it's very likely it wasn't addressed because it either had to do with a prediction or it had to do much much more with our book to show episode yeah yeah Thank you very much for that, Shea. Good note. And let's say thanks to a few patrons, and that's that. Um, as usual, we're doing most of the patron shout-outs during the book to show. So this is abbreviated here. Just want to say thanks to our beard guard. Sean, that's you. Go ahead and read that, my friend. Of course, hand of the beard, Lady Suzanne. By the way, send good thoughts her away. That's right. Suzanne got to come over and watch the episode with us. Good times for all. Lord Commander George the Golden. Sir Joshua... Oakheart, the White Oak, and of course my very special Lady Rita of the Copper Main, the Unbound, Dance the Fervor. We're gonna we're gonna work out a fervor dance, by the way. We're gonna Ooh. try to work that out. Maybe dance the fervor will be yeah, a thing. Yeah. Cool, <laughs> Sir Joff. Is, is it gonna be like the Scarn? That's Scarn. There's really just too much office in this episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry for anyone who doesn't like the not office. enough office, not enough office. <laughs> we're really just like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the office is like cowbell more <laughs> <laughs> cowbell yeah if you don't watch the office though by the way we all three of us it is literally all three of our favorite shows yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you think our taste is good and you don't you haven't gotten in the office well maybe now you should give it a try 
<laughs> and and with that, back to our Patreon yeah. shoutouts. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Uh. <laughs> uh, okay, so Sir Joff. Sir Joff, Warden of the AC, Reminder of the Office, Wielder of Triad, <laughs> the multifaceted beard of platinum, red and brown, stay frosty. Sir Tim Cargoyle, Corgoyle, Mad Boy of the Western Desert, Queen Helena, Von Lostein. Lonstein. 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 Partying like it's 1999 since 1980 something, a kingdom for a drink. We, she and I had a joke the other day. I was talking to her and she's talking about like going off or, or, or making an, you know, like coming down hard on someone. I was like, Elena von Landmine. <laughs> 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 yep. Yep. Had to sneak a pun in there. I didn't think I did one the whole episode. I, I, blast minute pun. And with that. Did you say blast minute pun? <laughs> yeah, I did not, but I'll take credit. You're going to start to, though. Yeah, <laughs> from now on. <laughs> the last minute is the blast minute. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again, everybody. Valar rewatch us and Valar re read us. <laughs>